Minefields, Indie Wrestling Report, number 41. I've got the year of the plague on the line right here, Mr. Big Filter. Filter, whatever the hell you want to call him. It says filter on his singlet, but what is up, brother? What's up, man? The year of the plague. That's crazy. Every time you say it, it gets crazier. Well, I appreciate you being on the show, man. You were actually one of the first uh, guys to actually talk to me, and you don't, you probably don't remember. I don't when, like, tell me what, if you tell me when, I bet you I do remember. All right. It, when was, was, it was, I think I had, like... Five interviews under my belt for uh, Colorado wrestling in general, and I was outside nervously smoking a cigarette outside a mile high, and your big ass comes out and says, what's up? And I'm like, hey, and we started talking, and I told you what I do, and and uh, it was cool talking to you because you were the first RMP guy I talked to. Straight up. And I, was, up I was just happy to talk to someone whose intro music was My Own Summer, which is one of my favorite songs in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's good times, man. Like... It depending on when you ask me, depending on what day, like it's it's usually Sublime, but the Deftones are usually their number one or two between them and Sublime. You know what I'm saying? I got so much love for the Deftones; it's it's ridiculous. How old are you? Uh, I had to think about it. Who has to think about their own age? That's bullshit. I'm 24, man. Yeah, I, I'm uh, 38. I remember uh, getting the White Pony the day it came out. We went to every damn record store on the on the island looking for the special edition red version. We had to order that shit. And... Wow, son of a bitch. So what's your favorite Deftones album right off the top? I'll show you. you know, yeah. You're going to trip about this. Most people don't know this exists. Oh, you told me about this. We've talked about this a couple of times, actually. I've never seen the fucking thing in person before. Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. Whoa. Where did you get that? Where did you even get that? Okay. Straight so up. This was a... Okay, when the White Pony came out, there's a bunch of different versions of it. There's the the silver version yeah. without Back to School. There's the red and black ones that are special edition that had... Uh, didn't have Back to School on it, but it had a song called The Boys Republic as a secret track. There was sure. there was extra lyrics on the in the inside. There was the Japanese version that came with a sticker, but it was a silver cover. There was the cassette tape, and there was a bunch of little maxi singles that were in CDs. But that was guys. By the way, I just showed him my special edition red uh, red vinyl white pony. That was only I think what I read. There's only like two thousand in existence, and they were only sent yeah. to record rec, uh, like. Um, like local radio stations to uh, just to promote the show because radio stations get random swag all the time, and uh, right. I bought it for like ninety bucks on eBay back in like two thousand and three something like that, and I got it. I got how, it. How much do you think you can sell that thing for? For Probably. sure. How much do you think you can fucking get rid of that thing for right now? Well, it's signed by the entire band, including oh. including Chief. I, including the late Chi Chang, yeah. Including Chi, who always fuck you remind me of. Um, I wish. 
Well, I mean, like you, 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 you smoke enough to get the the the, the Cheech and Chong eyes going, there, brother. So. <laughs> Jesus, what they say? Is that what they say? That's just a part of life, you know. It always has been it's one a, of those things, you know. It's one of my favorite lines from from Up and Smoke. Come on, let's get high, get Chinese eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it's uh, it's signed by the whole band, and uh, I'll probably be buried with it. I could probably get eight hundred bucks for it. Easy, easy. I bet you can get like over a gram for that thing. Oh, Somebody would pay for that shit. Some collector would pay for that fucking thing. But uh, damn man, like I, that shit blows my mind. So, like I sit here and I'm like, yeah, I'm a fan of the Deftones, and like I don't have like I knew, you know, like I see some shit like that, and I'm like, damn, I don't know shit, you know what I mean? Because I didn't, I didn't even know all the because I knew the silver the silver album was back to school, but I didn't even know they had like all those different versions of that, that you're talking about. I don't know nothing about most of that shit, you know. And there, then there was the white version that had Back to School, but it didn't have Boys Republic on it. But how did you get into the Deftones? Man, the first Deftones album I actually heard was probably, uh, I got into them, like, I'm, I'm 24, so it's not like I was listening to them back in 1996, you know, 97, when, uh, when they were really, like, the, that, the era that I like a lot. Because, of course, when I was a little kid, like, uh, I listened to what everybody else was listening to, so I heard Change in the House of Flies, and I heard uh, I heard the, the, the heads and stuff like that, because, of course, everybody everybody hears those songs. But I think the first album I actually ever heard by them was the, self, the self-titled record, the, uh, and the, with the needles and pens and Good Morning, Beautiful, and all that shit. Battle and uh, I got it. Yeah, there's, this, there's a store down here in, uh, in Greeley called Hastings, or it was down here. It's not down here no more. I miss it. But, uh... Oh, I, I fucking miss Hastings so goddamn much, bro. Every day of my life, I think about Hastings. <laughs> best, you could get the best porno mags there from Europe. You could get a cheap CD, a DVD, some comic books, cheap coffee. Did you walk all that? You're walking all for like 17 bucks. You're walking away with all that shit too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like I, I got this one. I remember one time I came across this DVD there, and I could I didn't have enough money to buy it, but it had like. UFC fights, uh, it was from like 1990, like it was, it was like stuff from like 1994, but it had like a, a Rey Mysterio interview from like AAA, and it had like uh, some FMW matches from Japan, and I'm sitting here looking at this, I'm like 12 years old, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, you know, it, like, it was like everything I was into, but and I wish I could have got it, but either way, the first Deftones album I heard was uh, the self-titled record, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I got I got a lot of love for that record. Uh, a, a lot of people are like, "Oh, that's their worst record." Blah blah blah. But I don't know. I got a lot. I don't really think they have a bad record. You know what I mean? I don't but really have a bad record either. I got it for that one, and then I went back and I listened to Adrenaline. I listened to <clears throat> I listened around the fur, and I I, started, I just became a, a huge fan from there. I, I like I like the, I'm a I'm a big fan of metal and hip hop, but uh, I like new metal a lot. I don't I don't really consider the Deftones to be new metal, but not anymore. Uh, I don't. Not yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I don't know. I don't even consider, like, new metal to be a thing, but I know a lot of the stuff that I like would be considered new metal with, like, El Nino, and uh, I like uh, Chevelle, and I like, you know, Rage, who was, like, the, the precursor to new metal and stuff, you know, Rage Against the Machine. All that, about, all that new metal stuff, Taproot, I love that shit, you know what I mean? People consider that to be new metal, so. No, dude, that shit was our jam, man. I was in high school when that shit came out. Like, uh, I remember, like... Right. It was all my buddies that skateboarded. Uh, I was the one that recorded because I was the goth kid that was old enough to buy cigarettes. And uh, I, 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 we all had our books of CDs on us all the time. But it was, yeah, Il Nino, Soulfly, uh, Limp Bizkit, Deftones, Coal Chamber, 
Rage is, I wouldn't say Rage is new metal, but they, they definitely have the, the, the quintessentials, the drop D down to the granddaddies. If it wasn't for Rage, there wouldn't be like a fucking new metal, you know? Did you know that, did you know that, um, I was reading a, I was, I was reading a while back that when Maynard James Keenan from Tool first decided to move to California, her, his friend said, Hey, I've got a friend you can stay with. Let me give him a call. And he gets this voice message from Tom Morello. What? Yeah, that was his. I, I never heard about this. That was uh, that was his first roommate was Tom Morello, and they were just working on Raging Against the Machine, but it wasn't called that yet. And it was actually between him and Zach De La Rocha uh, to be the lead singer of Rage, and they picked Zach. <laughs> Could you even imagine? Yeah. Maynard with with Rage. Yeah. What kind of sound would that be? Well, like that would be crazy. Like <laughs> that's what that would be nuts. You it'd know be, what I mean? I never heard that before. Be that's able, like that's some cool ass shit actually. Uh, on the uh, on the first uh, Tool actual EP actually uh, Opiate, uh, they recorded a bunch of songs live, and uh, they recorded yeah. at the Jello Loft, which was uh, the loft that. The guys that ran Je- uh, Green Jello, like you know, Three Little Pigs, old school stuff. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, they're they're when they're when they're singing, you hear Maynard go, "Hey, someone throw that Zach Dale- someone throw that Bob Marley wannabe motherfucker out of here." And he was, yeah, "Oh shit, I fucking heard that shit." Yeah. He's po- he's pointing at Zach De La Rocha. I had no idea that he was pointing at Zach De La Rocha because I heard that shit, like, "Oh, dude, like this." This is crazy to me. This is crazy to me. That blew my mind because this is all coming full circle. I had no idea that he was talking about Zach Taylor Rocher and that shit. Dude, I'm going to do that to you. Cause I'm the DJ at fucking CSW, man. I'm going to do that to you. If you lose, if you lose at Slam Bash, I'm just going to over the mic. Someone throw that Bob Marley wannabe motherfucker out of here. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that shit so many times throughout my goddamn life, too, and I had no idea he was talking about Zach Taylor Rocher. Yeah. Wow. That's fucking cool as hell, man. Well, I'm happy. Like, to, are you are, are you only into are you only into metal and shit? Talking about Green Jello and like all this, you know what I mean? All this good shit, like Opiate. You know what I mean? How many Tool fans are? How many Tool fans listen to Opiate? How many people who bought the new Tool record last year have heard of Opiate? You know what I mean? Like, that's that's good shit. Like, when, are you into hip hop or is it strictly metal for you? Because you're a fucking metalhead, obviously. I'm definitely a metalhead. I actually the stuff I prefer to DJ is it depends on my mood. It I like to DJ uh, down tempo stuff. Uh, depending on the on how cold it is outside, I like to play trance. Uh, if it's warm outside, I like to play the type of shit that you're playing at Ibiza, like at three in the morning, and the the club moves outside and the sun's rising. Um, but when it comes to hip hop, I'm a fucking I'm a dick when it comes to hip hop, dude. Uh, because I'm not I'm not for this, but it's got to be either underground like MF Doom. Um, that's Mr. Liff, um, or it's got, if I don't want to hear you talking about, uh, about what well, I want to hear either the, the underground shit or I want to hear about, and I get, I'm not all, I'm not about this, but if, I want to hear about doing drugs, killing cops and pussy. <laughs> well, I, I definitely heard that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause I missed that so, shit. Like, I grew up with it. Well, like, there's all there's all kinds of like so you like the different types of underground you know like you got the the like the MF Doom and you got like the the uh, Odyssey and you got like this type of shit and then you got the whole other side you got like Three Six Mafia and SPM and you got ICP you know you got Tech Nine and shit yeah like there's 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 different types of underground are you like are you just all about that underground hip hop you know what I'm saying any anything that's gonna anything that like 
anything underground that's got a good beat and sounds lo-fi. Yeah, oh, I heard that, I heard that. The uh, Legion Tattoo, I've been hanging out on Sundays there when my buddy's working his apprenticeship, and that's all they play, and that's all I want them to play. It's it's one of the best places to hang in, like, just unwind after a week is chill out at a tattoo shop and fucking have dope-ass conversations with dope-ass people. That's what's up, man. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. That's life, man. What what do you do in your free time? How do you wind down? Man, it just depends on what what kind of phase you catch me in in life. Right now, I'm playing all kinds of 2K. I'm playing I'm playing all kinds of basketball. Like that's a, it. Just depends because like it depends on what you what, what you consider to be free time. You know what I mean for sure. Like I, I watch a lot of fucking wrestling, man. Like believe it or not, I watch a ton of wrestling. Like I'd say every day I, I watch at least like four or five hours of wrestling. But I, I don't consider that to be free time. You know. I do the same thing, man. And I heard I hardly ever get to talk about this with anyone because a lot of people just really only watch AEW or uh, WWE, which is fine. I want everyone to watch what they like, but yeah. I, I actually have it on my schedule. on On Tuesday nights, I watch Dark. On Wednesdays, I watch AEW. On Thursday nights, I, I watch the re- I watch Impact because I, I download it. Oh, I, well, Impact is great, man. Right yeah, now, Friday nights Friday nights I watch New Japan Pro because that's the special one for me, man. Um, oh shit! You seen uh, you seen the Regal Twins on there, right? And like New Japan Strong, yeah, yeah, man, that's the that's the gang right there, man. Those are the homies, the, the big homies right there. Why does uh, New Japan stick out to you? Because I have my reasons. I want to hear yours. Well, New Japan sticks out to me, like, uh, like I watch. I've been watching like, New Japan, uh, especially at the beginning. Strong style, strong style, because strong style it evolved now. Like it, it, it's not no, it isn't now what it was at the beginning. But like New Japan has been like, have you ever watched like seventies or eighties New Japan? I have not. I've I've I've, I've ventured so far, uh, and I'm not. Well, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to pretend I'm OG New Japan. But I got into New right. Japan because of Bullet Club, and of course, yeah. So I, I was watching Prince Devitt stuff and. So I was popping when he showed up on, on NXT. I, man, I was there when Shinsuke showed up in Dallas. Um, it, oh, shit. It, it, the strong style thing is something that needs to be talked about because you saw, yeah. the, you saw the, the match between AJ and Shinsuke in New Orleans, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Did you see the match between AJ and Shinsuke in New Japan outside for the IWCP Intercontinental belt, which a lot of people don't know, what, is what, considered Shinsuke. I'm, I'm trying to remember what, what show it was. Uh, was it Dominion? I think it was Dominion when they wrestled, like Dominion 2015 or 2014. Because that amazing. match was incredible, dude. Like that match was fucking incredible. I do remember. Like it I was remember outside. where I was when I seen that shit for the first time. You know what I'm saying? Was it outside and at night? Oh yeah, it was. It, it was. Uh, it was the main event of that show. That's the one, man. I, and I remember yeah. being so psyched to see Shinsuke and AJ again. But like nothing compared. That's actually my third favorite match of all time because that was the definition of strong style to me. Like Shinsuke was yeah. hitting him with his shins like a goddamn baseball bat. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's for real too. It's for real. Like what strong style was in the beginning? Because like when I started watching, I started watching New Japan in like fucking 2013. You know, uh, but like the thing is, being a wrestler, like uh, and like watching as much as I have, I've gone back and I've watched like so much, you know. But uh, strong style, what it was originally was, it was literally like 
Anoki created Strong Style, you know what I'm saying? Anoki created that shit, but it was like, it was, it was pro wrestling with real techniques, you know what I mean? It was pro wrestling with real techniques. If you go and watch like, uh, Antonio Anoki versus Jack Briscoe, that shit looks like a fucking MMA fight would look today, you know what I mean? And it's got like, it's some, some, like, it's got people getting whipped off the ropes and stuff like that. But the thing is, like, everything that they did was for real. Everything that happened in that match was for real, you know what I mean? Nothing was bullshit. Everything that they did could hurt you for real, you know what I mean? And that's strong style. They weren't out there fucking each other up. They weren't out there giving each other concussions or nothing like right. that, you know what I mean? But they, they were out there, and uh, it was real. Like, it wasn't real, but it could have been real, if that makes sense, you know? And that's strong style, for real. Anoki created that shit, you know what I mean? Like, Anoki and, um, and um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now. Uh, maybe uh, I'm a little too deep in Iran. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, Anoki and uh, Carl Gotch, Carl Gotch and Billy Robinson, you know, me and the Snake Pit. These motherfuckers created strong style, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it resonates through it, you know what I mean? And Choshu and these guys took it to another level. Muda and, uh, and, um, and, uh, the, the Three Musketeers, man, like, those guys took it to another level, you know what I mean? And the, the, the Okada, Okada and those guys, you know, Tanahashi, Shinsuke, these guys are, they, everybody keeps advancing it and advancing it. Have you ever watched All Japan? Any, like, 90s or 80s All Japan? I, I really want to, man. It's just one of those things, like, we're watching all, it's it's the difference between, like, the, the top five for me and then, like, yeah. the, like a deep dive, like, to watch All Japan or more Ch- uh, Chikara or, uh, so much stuff. Yeah. There's too much stuff. It's impossible. It's impossible trying to keep trying to watch classic CMLL or U, UWA or any of the UWF. You know what I mean? Like trying to watch any of the the IWE over from over in Japan from the late '60s and early '70s. Trying to watch any of the Polynesian Pro Wrestling or Mid South or Mid Atlantic. Trying to watch Dallas. Trying to watch Houston. Trying to watch the new stuff, the current stuff. Ring of Honor, the current Ring of Honor, the classic Ring of Honor, the current TNA, the old TNA. It's so fucking hard to keep up. And watch, but uh, I try, man. Like that's why I'm saying, like this is all the shit I'm watching all the time. You know, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch all this shit all the time. You should, you should try to watch some All Japan sometime. A lot of people think that, uh, like mid, like early through late '90s All Japan and the early, the early Noah. A lot of people think that that is the peak of pro wrestling that that won't be topped. And uh, a lot of those guys, they're like they're 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 dead and they're and they're in rough shape today because of the style, the, the King's Road style. That was the that was the style that um, Giant Baba created, as opposed to uh, Anoki. You know, the, those were the two top guys in the, the Japan Wrestling Association in the '60s and '70s. That was Ricky Dozan's association. He created wrestling over in Japan, and he he started Baba and Anoki. They were his two top guys. Oh. And once he died, they were the two top guys over in over in his company, the Japan Wrestling Association. And in the early '70s, they both in '72 they both broke off. In Japan, and uh, Anoki, he created New Japan, and Baba, he created All Japan. And uh, All Japan, it's this, it's a different, it's a whole different style. It's called King's Road style, and uh, it's a whole different fan base, and uh, it's a whole different history. Like, it, like if if you watch a King's Road style match, it's a lot of them are like forty to fifty to sixty minutes long, and uh, every everything is based on psychology on previous matches and uh, where you are in the card, and it's just like. The, the booking for King's Road is just incredible, man. Like, watching 70s and 80s and 90s All Japan is, like, it's some of the best shit, uh, <laughs> like, ever, dude. You should try to get your eyes on some of it. Is it, is it on the uh, New Japan app? Um, How far does New the, Japan like, all, go? All, 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 the, uh, all the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, New Japan is on that New Japan app. 
the New Japan world, but uh, I have that. There's there's this uh, YouTube channel called Roy, Roy Lucier. Like he, there's this guy. His his name is Roy Lucier, and he's a wrestling historian. And he's got all this fucking footage on uh, on YouTube and on Daily Motion. Like on Daily Motion, he's got like uh, 1989 through like all of like 1989 through all of the 90s. He's got all of, all the New Japan Television and New Japan big matches on Daily Motion. And then on YouTube, he's got these all these different channels for like CMLL and AAA and Houston Wrestling and WWF, the classic WWF, yeah, and all of Japan. He's got like. Um, I, I'm, I'm on his YouTube channels like every day, all day. Um, for all Japan, he's got like 1978 through like 1991 or two. Uh, all Japan, like everything, he's got all that shit on YouTube, dude. It's crazy. Is he the guy that posts all the all the cool uh, Dragon's Gate shit, like with Pac and shit from back in the day? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Honestly, I'm pretty sure because he's got all kinds of all kinds of independent, like uh, like classic and indie stuff. You know, all the way from like. The early 90s when the indie started picking up with like Al Snow and, Ek- and like early uh, 123 Kid, Sean Waltman. Yeah. When these guys like Sabu, when they started like, when indie wrestling became something that people really started seeking out in the early 90s, he was like the guy that always had the fucking footage, you know what I mean? He's always he's always been a, a tape trader and a, and a historian. And he's got like, all this shit he's got on YouTube and Daily Motion is like real, real classic footage that you're not going to be able to find nowhere else, you know? The one thing I, I am constantly, I do search every day is um, PWG matches before they get taken down. Dude, uh, when I was younger, when I was in like high school, I saved like, when I first graduated high school, uh, I was in maybe like 2015, 16, I was working this uh, overnight job. I was uh, doing car- carpet and hardwood flooring. And I saved up like fucking two thousand dollars to try to go down to Reseda and see a PWG show. Oh, I was I was such a fucking big fan of everything PWG, man. Like the way that people would like we would get crazy for ECW in the nineties. That's how I felt about PWG uh, or like the early two thousands. How Ring of Honor like really read you know Ring of Honor in the early to mid two thousands. That's how I felt about PWG, man. Like and the thing was, I called. And I had, like, a bunch of my friends call at the same time, try to get tickets, and they sold out in, like, fucking six minutes, you know yeah. what I mean? And I couldn't get tickets, you know what I mean? It still but, does uh, it, man. It still does I, it. I love PWG, bro, straight up. Some of my all-time favorite matches are PWG matches. I remember Will Osprey, like, I, God, there was, like, nine dudes in the in the ring. Uh, forget yeah. me, I can't remember exactly everyone there. I know the Bucks were there. I know Cage was there. But they they booted some guy, like, ten feet in the air. Osprey was wait. Osprey was waiting off the top rope. Caught this guy's neck ten feet in the air and stone cold stunned yeah. him ten feet down. And the whole the oh, whole place, God. even the dudes in the and, and it was so great about it was watching the dudes in the ring pop. <laughs> like, like oh, for sure. Yeah, like I can't believe I just saw that. Pop? What are you gonna do? Not pop when you see something like that? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Anybody in the world they see something like that, they're gonna say, "Oh my god, that's fucking impressive." The uh, uh, Cesaro with Pac and God, who was the other guy? I can't remember, but it was Pac launching a guy doing that twirl thing over his neck, launching him in the air, and then Cesaro just that perfect uppercut, like like sure. he's got the best hero I've ever seen. It was, a, it was like Shakespearean poetry to me, man. Like, it was beautiful. Uh, Generico... Was one of the best wrestlers fucking in the world, dude. Yeah, I, I think he's the most underrated one in the world right now. He for sure is, like, if he's not one of them, he's top two or three. I think he's if probably... He's one. I think he's probably the one that WWE is going to do everything they can to keep him from not going to AEW, because those are all his friends. 
man, like, they better do whatever they can, they, like, I'm pretty sure he's happy, like, he's, he's getting that money, but they better do whatever they can to keep him, like, <laughs> whatever, like, anybody, any wrestling company should do whatever the fuck they can to get their hands on him, dude, like, yeah. he's, he's such a huge asset, Robert, and I think they know it, and he knows it, and everybody knows it. I, I mean, I'm glad for Rusev um, becoming uh, uh, Miro or that's Mino. Miro, dog. That's Miro. Miro. Like, I'm glad he's <laughs> yeah. in. I'm glad he's in AEW. I'm glad he's happy getting to express himself because as an artist, that's the most important thing in the world to me. Uh, yeah, but sure. he wasn't always my favorite. But I, the one I really always wanted to see go AEW since the beginning was Cesaro. Yeah. If I pick one person that I would want to see in AEW, it'd probably be me. No, nah, no, nah, I'm just playing for real though. But uh, yeah, I just, and, and I'm just playing. And all, and all seriousness, the purpose of the question here, like one WWE guy or an indie guy, or well, I'm a, I'm an indie guy, uh, but I mean, I well, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, I like the, I like, I, you can't not like the big leagues, you know. But like, you also can't be a bandwagoner in the big leagues. But at the same time, though, uh, right now is a time where. God, I'm just going to be blunt. Like, if you tell me that all you watch is WWE, I'm going to pat you on the back and say I'm glad for you. But at the same yeah. time, though, I'm... No, there's, a, there's a lot to watch. Again, if the only thing you watch is WWE, like, you've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT, you've got Main Event. I don't know if they still do Superstars. I'm pretty no. sure they do. I haven't you, seen you've got, forever. You've got, like, you know, NXT UK, like, you got 205 Live. If you only watch WWE, you still got, like, eight or nine shows that you can watch every week. That's the crazy thing, you if know what I'm saying? If you're watching NXT, which is the best one, then I'm happy. Be- because yeah. I-, I find that to be legitimate art. I find Raw and SmackDown to be corporate bullshit right now. Um, and NXT is doing everything it can to hold on to its, its artistic expression. And this is I- – I'm really glad you brought a few things up because um, – in my opinion, pro wrestling is pure art. Like, there should be videos of wrestling match in the Louvre, to my, in my opinion. We actually did a show in an art museum, Rocky Mountain Pro. We did a show in the Denver Art Museum because pro wrestling is art. Like, it ties into this, man. I agree with you. Pro wrestling is art. For and, real, bro. And Especially it, when it's right. Agreed. And, and that's why I was, like, really surprised and proud because I was a, I've always been a big Ambrose fan slash Dean uh, Moxley fan. Um, Big time. But Big time. seeing Mr. Fucking Tough Guy, Mr. Big Balls, hot wife, big truck, everything paid off, grew up being a petty criminal, doing hardcore matches, talk about the need to express himself, like, was like, like, it released this pressure valve in me. Like, like, yes! <laughs> Please, please, like, I hope other people are inspired to talk about it the same way, because it wasn't like, because he was saying flat out, I don't give a shit about the money. My house is paid off, my truck is paid off. I mean, could you imagine your home paid off and your truck paid off? No, I sure couldn't, not right now. Let alone doing it Right now, I couldn't even imagine. I'm fucking struggling my asshole. Me too, man. And and but can you yeah. imagine doing that through through pro wrestling and you really did it? No one, everyone told you you were gonna fail. And then oh, yeah. and he's not bitching about money. He's like, I got money. I don't fucking care. I want to express myself. I want to. I want to make my own promos. I, like, and and I wasn't hearing a, a wrestler bitching that people were telling him what to do. I was hearing a true artist being caged and and. All he wants to do is uh, – uh, the second AEW starts making him do shit, he's gone. Yeah. 
I think, I think he, uh, I don't know, man. Like, did you see, did you see who he's fighting in Bloodsport? Uh, who? Actually, I didn't. He's, he's playing, Cross. he's playing him, he, he's doing, uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, dog. And, oh, is he really? yes, he is. Bloodsport is about to happen again. And I, I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'm going to, like, just text me when you see it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to check that shit out. Yeah, Barnett's, Blood, Barnett's Bloodsport is a shit, man. I'm glad. Because he, he always brings in uh, Minoru Suzuki, who's one of my favorites, man. Oh, for real, man. Yeah. Minoru Suzuki was the king of pancreas, you know what I mean? Like, which is, like, Minoru Suzuki is a real, real bad son of a bitch. You know, it's not a pro wrestling gimmick. He beat the shit out of some real, some real bad dudes, you know? Yeah. We wouldn't have Tekken without him, man. They based Tekken I'm off saying, him. I'm saying, for real, dude. Yeah. For real, Minoru Suzuki, like, he's he's not, it's not a gimmick. He's really that scary. He's really that badass, you know? He's the reason why I wear uh, crazy socks all the time. <laughs> and it's funny because he's, like, a big fan of Joshi and, like, DDT and shit like that. Yeah, I know, man. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Now, uh, I, I want to hear your opinion on this because I was talking with some people I'll talk to you about. I'll, we'll, I'll mention to you later, uh, not on the podcast. Um, but one of my favorite things about New Japan is the Young Lion program. Uh, yeah. Formerly uh, Young Boy. Um, I think they changed it because it sounded kind of gay. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just – I'm. No, no hate in my heart. Uh, I'm just saying. I think they changed it because they think uh, someone's like uh, Americans think that's kind of gay. <laughs> change, it, change the young line. All right. Uh, the program. Uh, what What's your thoughts on how how it's organized? I think uh, I think it's based on tradition because New Japan didn't start the young line. Like like uh, the young the young line the young boy system has literally been around since like the 50s. You know what I mean? Since uh, like the, the the two guys uh, that I was talking about early, earlier, like the two gods of Japanese wrestling, Anoki and Baba, the guys who literally started New Japan and Anoki, they were or, uh, New Japan and All Japan. They were young boys once upon a time. When they started, they were young boys, you know. And uh, right, young boys have been around like uh, fuck. I think the Japan Wrestling Association started in like 1953. I think that's when Ricky Dozan wrestled uh, Luthez for the title over there. And, um, yeah, like, it, it's just based on respect, dude. Like, I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. Like, Too Cold Scorpio was, uh, he was a young boy over in New Japan. He went through that system. And then when he, when he was the head trainer over here, he really, it was a it was so, such a big deal. Respect to instill some of that respect that was instilled on him and to us, you know? For, and, uh, for our listeners that are not familiar with the Young Lion program, the Young Boy program, break it down for us. What, what are the quintessentials? A young boy, man, like, you, you show up to the dojo and you, if there's levels to the shit, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't just show up and become, and become a Jushin Liger right off the top. Anybody who's anybody in New Japan, whether it's Okada, whether it's Ricky Choshu, whether it's Tatsumi, whether it's Tatsumi Fujinami, Fujinami, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Fujinami, whether it's fucking, uh, you know anybody, bro? Like they're all they all had to start off level one, day one as a young boy. You you wake up, you got to do all your exercises, you got to do all your workouts, which is fucking crazy. You got to do like like hundreds upon hundreds, if not thousands, of like squats and push ups and shit like that. You got to take your bumps and do your in ring work. You got to 
when you gotta uh, get, like everybody else is, is doing their workouts while they're doing their shit. You gotta clean everything. You gotta clean. You gotta prepare all the food. You gotta do all the dishes. You gotta clean all the laundry. You gotta make their beds. You gotta do. You gotta do pretty much everything. You gotta clean the dojo. You gotta clean. You gotta clean everything up. That's the that's a day one. That's level one of a young boy. And it's not like that forever. Like once you prove that you're there for the reason, you're there for the respect, and you prove yourself as worthy and honorable, you start moving up and you start moving up the system. You're not just gonna stay a young boy for the rest of your life, you but, know. Like before you but, before uh, you get too far, uh, the, the the little nuance you've got it perfect. Uh, the, the little nuances I like uh, about what I've heard about the the system from a lot of podcasts I've listened to is that you have to separate the heels from the faces. And oh, for sure. There's you have to make sure that the there's a specific like food they make for the for everyone that's like kind of like their gruel or whatever you want to say it, that that they got to make for them and you got to make sure it's hot warm ready for them but also you got to make yeah. sure that everything's perfect ready because the heels train in the morning and I'm sorry the the faces train in the morning and the heels train at night and you got to make sure that their kayfabe is 100 percent protected while they're even just walking in the room. Uh, or in the dojo in general, and then also uh, break it down in terms of what they can and cannot do in the ring. Oh, like there, there's no, there's pretty much no entertainment that go when when you're a young lion. There's like no entertainment value that goes into it. Like it's all wrestling. You're it's all wrestling. You there, you got your black boots, you got your black trunks. There, there's like, there's no gimmick that goes into uh, when I say entertainment. People are like, oh, they're just not their wrestling boring. Of course they're not because wrestling isn't fucking boring. But like, there's no gimmick that goes into it whatsoever. You're not allowed to like, you're not allowed to go out there with the and and with all this flash and pizzazz. You got to go out there and get yourself over by your mare, by your wrestling. You know what I mean? I always wondered how they allowed Kitamura, who was my favorite young boy, uh, to uh, he he fucked he screwed the pooch, man. Like he kept popping, but uh, he was my favorite young boy, uh, young lion. Kita, remember him, Kitamura, giant yeah, jack guy. Uh, they let yeah, him, yeah. they let him have that uh, that mouth guard with the fangs. I wonder, I was wondering how he got away with that, which is because he was so big and scary. Well, like uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was like an aspect from, but uh, his like previous, he was like a, a sumo or a judoku or something like that before New Japan. Yeah, and it was like it, it was it had something to do before he, he before he started or something like that, bro. Uh, he was my favorite man. I was like my girlfriend at the time. Her and I would always like just like armchair book like what we want him to do, what gimmick we'd want to give him, like where we send him. Because uh, uh, can I take over from here? Yeah, man. All right. So after uh, after you get over as a young lion, uh, you're sent across the pond to the states. So that excursion. That yeah, excursion. So you you end up in you end up wherever you want. Actually, you can go to NXT. Well, if they let you, uh, probably not NXT quite yet. Uh, before you get scoop, scooped up, uh, Impact, Ring of Honor, uh, it, you know, sky's the limit. You go develop yourself, you develop your character. Uh, for people that have been keeping up with TNA and Impact for the past, like, ten years, you might remember uh, Okado, <laughs> who they completely uh, underutilized and then comes back to New Japan because you go, you develop your character, your gimmick, you come back over, and you're over. Yeah, you're your your main roster now. And Okado, who they they made him like they I, God, I felt like they make him like like made him like a Charlie Chan character and he was yeah. like a manager. It, it, it was Matrix that, it was weird, it man. Was it wasn't stupid. very good, but like, he was such a good wrestler. Like if you were watching the matches, it's just like fuck like that's the thing, you know. Like, if you're watching the matches, you you, you can tell that the guy's obviously talented. But if you're not, like, it, it's just like you're if you're if you're like not 
a big wrestling person and you're just watching for the whole show, you're just like, holy shit, like this is bad, you know? Right. When you, when you know what he's capable of and then he comes back, he goes back to Japan and he's okay. He becomes the fucking rainmaker. The rainmaker. Like, he's in what he's... He's in one of the he's in the midst of one of the best runs of pro wrestling history right now. He's he's like, an amazing like, man. Uh, oh I yeah, I can't think of anything that he's ever done that I didn't like. Right now, uh, he's actually he ranked number six in this year's uh, pro wrestling illustrated's uh, right. um, one hundred top five hundred top five hundred. But I'll read you the little little snippets of it. Why he was defeated G1 Climax Tournament winner Kota Ibushi to retain IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom Night 1. In Night 1, if you're not following New Japan, shit like doesn't happen like that in, on Night 1. <laughs> no, no. No, no way, man. No fucking way. And uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring up the new uh, Young Lion program, because then you come back, you're over, you get to do whatever the hell you want pretty much, because you've proven yourself devoted and you've earned the respect, was Juice Robinson. Oh, yeah. Juice Robinson gets fired from NXT. He goes over to New Japan. They actually gave him the option. Like, like we're no, we'll put you straight up on the main roster. He's like, nah, I'm doing, I'm doing Young Lion. He straight up went through the through the motions. He was not going to, and that's what made me like when I I loved him already. But uh, when I found out that he voluntarily went through the program for real, for real, and you, you, you'll see those matches like where the young lions are there to help people on the side. You know, they're the ones putting the ice pack on people, getting people out of the ring after they got their ass whooped. Uh, they're also there to get uh, their ass whooped by Minoru Suzuki. Uh, <laughs> Because get like terrorized by Suzuki, yeah, get, get terrorized by Suzuki, get terrorized by Suzuki, get your ass whooped by him, and uh, you'll see him there, you know, with the ice pack. You see Jay Switchblade there, you know, helping. Oh. Like I, I love that time, man, because every I had faith in every single one of them, and I still do. I still oh, do. Sure. They'll, they'll all, like, it, especially if you make it through, you know what I mean? Like, if you make it through the Young Lion program. Like, remember when Cody Hall was, was a young boy, you know what I mean? Like, he's not around anymore. Like, there's a lot of them that don't fizzle out, you know? Like, I, I, like I'm not saying I could, you know, or I would, but I'd like the chance. Man, I would, if I was wrestling, uh, I, I, everyone always messes with me, like, when are you going to wrestle because I'm big? Uh, it's not, I don't, it's not my thing. I, I, more of an art guy, but, uh. If I was going to do that, I would only want to go to – even if I had like a, a million-dollar contract from someplace, I would want – I want to go New Japan, like first and foremost. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, like Alistair Black, he was watching – he was growing up in the Netherlands watching New Japan before he ever watched WCW or WWF. He was watching New Japan. Like that's what he grew up on. And like MVP, he got into business because he loved New Japan pro wrestling tapes, you know, all Japan pro wrestling tapes. Not because he wanted to be a WWF superstar. It ended up happening for him, but he got in the business because he had the goal to wrestle in Japan, not to, not to wrestle in the WWE. Like, there's a lot of people like like that, you know. He, uh, Alistair Black came from WXW. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. That's he, uh, like, I remember the first time I ever seen him wrestle as Tommy End, and like, I don't know, like, it wasn't even like it wasn't like that early. It was like 2014. It was a PWG show, and. uh I didn't like. I saw that guy, and I would never, never have thought like that tatted up guy with his kick ass style, would his strong ass style, would ever be in the WWE, man. But 
but he's all over the he's all over the main roster. He's one of the best ones, man. I've, I've always been. It's great, for him. Man. It's, it's cool too because it's so authentic, man. Like the, the whole gimmick and like everything, the whole everything. I like I like seeing the shit like that, man. You know, like it just it's cool. It's it's good to see. That. He uh, WXW does one of my favorite annual events, the sixteen karat gold. Oh, no doubt. No uh, doubt. If, if guys, if, if you're listening to this and have no idea what 16 karat gold is, look up 2016 WXW 16 karat gold. You're going to see Cody fresh from WWE. Uh, not quite Bullet Club yet, but uh, Pentagon Jr., I think he won three years ago. I mean, like, they, they got the best of the best. Plus, the, they've got the trust of the fans. Uh, you notice how the fans are allowed to be up ringside. I mean, literal leaning over the ring. And some of the best wrestling I've seen in years, especially with the the amount of freedom that they're given. They they know the stage. They know they know it's not the most popular thing in the world, but they know it's one of the most hardcore motherfucking things they can do all year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about progress? Progress is some of the best shit over there in the UK, without a doubt, man. That's why I have the. That's why I resubscribed to the uh, WWE Network, man, because. Uh, Progress, they've been on hold for a while, but even then, like, there wasn't a lot on the app, but they put such a huge database on the WWE after they bought that shit up, the, the yeah. tapes, is watching old Progress stuff. That's where Will Osprey come, came from. Uh, Walter, oh, yeah. Walter was working with WXW and Ring Conf, and then he'd also go to Progress as well, and uh, that's how, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, all, those, uh, you know, like, all the Progress and Rev Pro and all that good British shit. You ever seen any of the old school, like the the round style, the British rounds met, like the round style matches? Uh uh-uh, uh man, what is that? Uh, like literal, like they'll have like round one, round two, round three. It's real, like it's old school shit. It's like real, real catch as catch can type shit, you know. Like it's it's not very Americanized <laughs> at all, you know. But it's it's good stuff. Like Regal used to do that stuff, and Robbie Brookside used to do that stuff, and uh, a lot of like a lot of good. Like, the classics, you know, a lot of the a lot of the legends, you know, used to work that old style, the the, the British round style. Well, shit, man, I, I almost forgot we were supposed to interview you. Let's let's talk about you. Oh shit, man, I'm like I'm enjoying all this, man, talking about all this other shit. I know you're a big fan of like we 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 touched on new metal, man. Like I know you're a big fan of extreme metal, you know, Sepultura and like the Death Angel and more, you know, all this good stuff. I know you're a big fan of horror movies, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, you know, like. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm enjoying talking about also all this other shit, man. <laughs> well, we got we got Halloween coming up, man. What are your top ten? Uh, what are your go-to Halloween movies that you never miss? Halloween, Halloween two. Halloween, no, I'm just playing, man. <laughs> no, I definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I like the slashers, man. Like I, I'm, I'm always like growing up. I, I like the I like the slashers. You know, all the classics. You know, whether it's like you know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, Friday the Thirteenth. You know, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, I, I like all the uh, all the classic franchises. I'll just binge watch all the all those movies every single year. I'll, I'll just watch every single chain every year. You know. <laughs> Last year, I, wa- I watched every I watched every single episode of Tales from the Crypt. I bootlegged everything off oh, the torrent. I boot. Yeah. I found it. Uh, it took me three and a half months to download a torrent, but I got every <laughs> single episode of Tales from the Crypt and put everything on my PlayStation and just watched it until Halloween. Oh, that's fire! That's fire! Bro. And this year, um, man, I'm focused. On, I want to do witch movies this year because the witch movies are my favorite. Like, I mean, it's hard to find a good witch film. Um, God, I'm going to pull up Shudder while we're talking so I can pull up one I forgot. I just watched it a couple weeks ago. But, like, um, 
Lords of uh, the Lords of Salem was just completely a psychedelic witch trip. Uh, we're talking the one that really the what I couldn't believe it was a new newer film because newer films usually suck. Uh, Hereditary that one that one fucked me up, man. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, though. Like I've heard, I've heard nothing but good shit about it too. It's, it's on Amazon. Under no circumstances let anyone under the age of twenty five watch this movie. Yeah. And, oh yeah. fuck! Man, I gotta watch this when we get done. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a slow burn. But it it it'll pop. The oh. uh, so Lord of Salem. God damn, what's the other one? It's on my iPhone. Fuck. All right. So, all right. What are your go tos? I mean, really, we we've talked about uh, we've talked about Halloween movies. You're talking about the slashers, but what are the what are the more intricate ones that are more like niche things that not everyone is aware of, or things that you you like? Because I, I I won't let a Halloween pass without watching Hocus Pocus or Death Becomes oh, Her. Death Becomes Her. Uh, I like... I'm a big fan of the, the big two fucking Rob Zombie. Uh, the House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil Rejects. I, I like those two movies a lot. Mm-hmm. Just like... It's it's like nostalgia for me. Uh, I had an uncle growing up that like... Uh, I would go down to his house when I was younger. And like he wasn't even like my uncle. But um, this motherfucker like raised me type shit. Like I was at his house a lot. You know what I mean? Like he, he lived a, a couple apartments down from me. And I'd go down there and I'd watch like one of those movies, or I'd watch like Faces of Death, or I'd listen yeah, to like Faces of Death. You know, oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Like we, we were like, because we were growing up, like it was just like a, it was a rough environment, you know what I mean? Like growing up, you know, I didn't really uh, re- realize it, but uh, at the time, but like looking back and like talking to other people, and people were like, oh really? Like that's it's crazy. But at the time, it was just all it was all good to me, you know. But I'd go down there, and, like, that's where I was exposed to a lot of shit, you know, whether it was, like, uh, crazy-ass movies or whether it was, you know, like, music, whether it was, like, you know, that's where, like, was the, he, I'd go down there, and he'd be listening, we'd listen to, like, death metal or something like that. And I'm, like, eight years old, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, you seem to handle but, it pretty good, man. You got, you got a family, you got a house, you're doing well, you're kicking ass, and uh, you're kicking shit, ass and wrestling, man. Like, it's, it's, it's not even a bad thing, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, uh, I wouldn't, like, it gave me a chance to like. I had a lot of freedom, you know. what I'm saying I had a lot of freedom. Like a lot of a lot of a lot of other people didn't have, and like I was blessed with it because I wasn't out there like doing meth or anything like that. There was a lot of people around me who were, but I wasn't about like. I, I, like I always had the choice. I always knew. I always knew what the what the good choices were to make. Not a lot of people did. I understand that, but like. It's like it's definitely not a bad thing, you know. I mean, having the having the freedom, have being being a lot of the freedom, it's it's not a bad thing, you know. Where did you grow up? I grew up in this little this little town called Platteville, Platteville, Colorado. Oh shit, dude! I think every every state has a Platteville. I know it it's weird. weird. It's a weird little place, dude. Like it's really not even that bad. I lived in these apartments where there was like a lot of drugs and like. Uh, it wasn't like it's really not even. I trust me, dude. I'm like it's not. I, I didn't like. I didn't grow up in like Chicago or Detroit or anything. Right. Any fucking place crazy like that. Like there was like maybe two drive-by shootings the whole time I lived there. It wasn't like an everyday thing. There was a lot of fights and stuff like that, but that's everywhere. You can go anywhere, and that's everywhere. You know, right? It really, you know, I, I like there was there was more drugs than anything. It wasn't. It wasn't like motherfuckers were getting killed every day or anything like that. You know. Well, I'm glad. Well, you look happy, man. You got a smile on your face. That's for sure. It's because it's because I'm sitting here like this. This like it's really it wasn't even that bad, man. Like I am happy. I am happy. Like I 
Yeah, I grew I grew up well. I grew up well, dude, for sure. Well, well, Halloween's coming up, so I recommend uh, even to our listeners, Season of the Witch. Uh, first off, spend the six dollars and get your free month of fucking Shutter. It's worth every fucking penny. Season of the Witch, old school '60s witch movie, man. Like we're talking this, uh, you know, shuttered up woman. She's like mid middle age. Her husband's always gone, and she meets someone that teaches her how to work tarot cards, and she starts wanting to know a lot more. And it, it, it was kind of filmed in like kind of like that weird Roman Polanski type way, where it like it's like oversaturated like '70s tones, and it's. It's not someone you would think would be a movie star. And uh, also, uh, Deathgasm, if you're into heavy metal, Deathgasm will rock your fucking socks off. Um, (laughs) It's on Shudder. It's on Shudder. Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, that's a kick-ass TV show. Uh, That's a horror TV show. Um, uh, Also, Shudder has Joe Bob Briggs back at his... uh, Joe Briggs drive-in. Remember where he used to do? Uh, well, you probably know. You're 24, uh, 23. Uh, he used to do. He used to sit outside his trailer in on USA and just intro. He was like a, a redneck Elvira, and and he's sitting outside drinking beer outside of his trailer. But now he's uh, on the app where it's he can be totally rated R. There's no censoring. His he's got an assistant, which is a legit porn star who's a zombie chick. He had a. He did Hellraiser 2. He did Maniac. Uh, when he'd had Hellraiser 2 on, he had Ashley Lawrence and Doug Bradley brought a box. They had all this great introspective throughout. Like the, every like 15 minutes, they'll stop it and he'll he'll it'll go back to the trailer and he'll talk about like what is important about this. Or Tom Savini did that, and uh, it's just a lot of good stuff on that. But again, I, we we keep geeking out. Um, where think, you all, right, all right, you asked me the question. I got to answer it. One Halloween movie. It's not very obscure or anything. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty popular actually. But Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn. I got to watch that every year. It's one of one the of best. My, one of my, it's so nostalgic. It's one of the best, brother. It's it, like I've got it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I've got it on Blu-ray. Uh, Reanimator. That's one. If you're if you want to be if if you are into horror movies and you really want to be a horror movie like know what true blue horror movies are for people like us, watch Evil Dead 2 and Reanimator, and you'll get a, a good sense of what we're looking for and what our tastes are all about. It's, oh, come on, that's a fucking fire. Yeah. All right, so you wrestle for a bunch of different places. You wrestle for Devotion. You wrestle for Colorado Springs Wrestling. You're about to make your debut – well, not debut, your re-debut. It's been a while since you've been there. Um, you wrestle for Rocky Mountain Pro. Uh, are you doing anything? Uh, you you train with RMP, right? Yeah, man, pretty much. Yeah. I like I'll, I'll, I'll train uh, anywhere. Like I can, I can train, but like around here, Rocky Mountain Pro is the only place I'm training. Like I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't say like uh, uh like I'm only gonna train at Rocky Mountain Pro. Like you know, because I'm not really strict about that. Like if a, a opportunity for a seminar comes along or an opportunity to train with a name comes along. I'm definitely going to take that opportunity, you know? Well, uh, we've got training down here in the Springs. we got uh, Animal Sam running that place, man. Eli- I remember I was present when Elias, when a part of the uh, uh, Canadian Pit Bulls were there, and that was fucking uh, – I wasn't allowed to talk about anything I saw other than that it was awesome. Um, <laughs> nice. Are you uh, – the door open for OBW for you now? Yeah, like um, – I'd like to think it was open for me before. 
No, nah, but uh, yeah, especially especially now because the, the ties are there. Even if the ties are stronger now with Devotion and with Rocky Mountain Pro, with the association, with the uh, the the, tie, the the doors are definitely like. Even if there was a window there before, like a, a window that was cracked before, and now there's the fucking double doors that are open. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not guaranteed that I'll walk through, but the opportunity is a lot bigger than it was before, for sure, for sure. Well, if you get a chance, man, come down to Soko Wrestling, man, because they they man, it's pure heart, pure adrenaline. It's 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 a family, and one thing I the one thing I am happy about about COVID and fucking a lot of things up. Is that everyone is playing ball now? Everyone's playing ball now. Everyone's just happy to be in the game. Everyone's talking. Everyone. Uh, I haven't heard any big drama. Uh, everyone's playing ball. Everyone's doing their best, and everyone's working together. And uh, for it seems Southern Colorado, Denver area, Utah, uh, Ohio Valley, you name it. And it, it, I just, I'm loving seeing that. But my next question being. Okay, so let's say you run through everyone in all these territories here in so- SoCo, Northern Colorado, everything I just named. Who would you want to approach you first from the big indies? Where would you want to go first? Man, like, there's not even a question, like, of where I would want to go first. Like, anywhere, like, there's levels to this shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I definitely, more, more than anything, like, I like, I any opportunity I have to get to that next level, I'll take that shit. Like I'm in no position to pick and choose. Like, uh, like I'm for, I'm like I'm pretty comfortable at the level I'm at. But com- like when when you're comfortable, like that that I, like I'm comfortable around here, which is a problem. You know what I mean? Because I've done I've done a lot around here, but that's such a small such a small fee in the grand scheme of things. I like I, I don't like. I want to do these big indies, you know, I want to do PWG and GCW and Ring of Honor. I want to go over to Japan. I want to go to Mexico. I want to go to the UK, you know, I want to take this level and I really want to be one of the guys from around here that can fucking break through the the next, you know. Would you want to do the Young Lion program or would you rather just go around everywhere until you're big enough to just go straight to the main roster? Man, like, honestly, like, it's it's hard. It's hard. it's even hard for me because I know it's like a hypothetical right now. But even like, it's hard for me to give you an answer other than like whichever one came faster, whichever one came first. If I had a choice, I'm sitting here trying to break it down now for real. Because like when I when I'm trying to think about it, because what like what came to mind automatically was like oh whichever one came first. You know what I'm saying? If I had an opportunity, fuck. I would say probably. To, to travel and like instead of doing the Young Lions program right off the bat, I would rather I'd rather do like do like a, a Benoit fucking Guerrero Jericho route where like all right you go here 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 and you soak up shit everywhere you go until eventually you got the whole you you put everything together for for the fucking for the big package you know. Well, speaking with that that perfect faction that frankly gives me a boner. Um, <laughs> God damn, can you imagine, Jesus fucking Christ, can you imagine being a fly on the wall in the fucking locker room with Benoit, Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and Chris Jericho? Nah, man. I, like, I, like, and then, everywhere they went, too, everywhere they went, because they've been all over the world together, you know, those four, with with Saturn, and with Conan, with Shane Douglas, and yep. with Hoover Dude, and with Mysterio. I love Hoover like, Dude. Mm, love Hoover Dude. 
with Louis Juice, man, they've all they've, 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 like, they've all been all around the world together, man. With Juice and Liger, with Pillman, with Brian Pillman, like they've all been around the world together, man. Like, just ah, I couldn't, man. I really couldn't. Random fact: This year was the first year in like twenty something years that Juice and Liger didn't make uh, the uh, PWI's top five hundred. I think he was in it every single year that they had it. Like from the from the first year that they did the five hundred. From until the year he retired, he was in it every single year. So you read the magazine then? Oh yeah, like when I was when I was younger, I was such a fucking like, especially when I was like in you know like third, fourth, fifth grade, all the way up until like fucking I graduated high school. I was a really, really big fan of magazines. You know, like I remember I have really distinct memories of uh, being a little kid. You know, uh, and being in Walmart and you know fucking we do this. We'd go and we'd buy all this food for the month and shit. You know. Yeah. During the checkout, auto every time during the checkout, I'd go and I'd go read the read the magazines, whether it was PWI or WWE or Insider Pro Wrestling, whatever it was. Like that's how I first heard about Ring of Honor was through PWI because uh, uh, D'Lo Brown was in Ring of Honor at the time, and I was like, holy shit! Like I, I loved D'Lo Brown when I was a kid, and I was like, what is this Ring of Honor? That was the first time I ever heard about Ring of Honor was through PWI. Like. I was, I loved, I've always loved, and even, even like to this day, like last year, me and Marlon Bishop were in PWI, we were in the independent roundup for a few that we did in Rocky Mountain, Rocky Mountain Pro, this ladder match, or uh, last man standing match that we had. Marlon Bishop is, is the man. Oh man, he's that dude, he's that dude, everybody knows Marlon Bishop's that dude, you know what I'm saying? Alright, so we've talked about where you could possibly go, uh, we talked about our love of uh, that perfect stable. Even though they weren't always together, they were still always together and put it, uh, really had each other's back. I mean, can you imagine? Okay, Jericho's already in WWE, and then Saturn, Benoit, and they all show up, and all of a sudden, someone's got Jericho. Like, hey, five dudes had Jericho's back in the in the in the a gorilla in, in the locker room. Who are your dudes? Man, like it, it always it always goes. Uh, my dudes right now, or. Like my my dudes in real life. Yeah, who are your, who are your dudes in real life? Uh, it, it, at at Rocky Mountain at Devotion. Who are your, who are your uh, who are your go to guys, man? Put get, put your friends over. That's what I'm asking you. Man, it's for sure the Horsemen, bro. The motherfucking Horsemen, Marlon, Atiba, Bruce, fucking uh, Mar- Marcus. You know Zim, Zim Damascus. Those are my guys. Joe Joe B, Joe Barton. Like Barton's the man. What I, Dude, I, a, couple, a couple years ago, uh, or not, I'd say like 2016, 17, uh, the group of guys, when I first got into wrestling, the group of guys that are really like, really like uh, latched on to almost, I, I would I would even say latched on to, but they like accepted me was, uh, and they really took me in. I learned so much from these motherfuckers was I would like, the guys who I would train with mostly and I would ride with and tra- travel with mostly was the, the Left Coast Gorillas with Hoodie and Anaya. With Mario Avenger and with Sam Udell and Royce Isaacs, those were my guys when I first when I first got into this shit. That's like if I if I would say like credit me for training me, it would be those guys. Those guys trained me. Those are my guys for real. Who's training you now? Right now, uh, to be honest, like over there, uh, RMP, like um, I'm one of the uh, I'm a leader over there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. me and. Uh, I'm, I'm not like uh, dude, the trainers are like uh, Matt and, C- and Curtis and Corrente. Those are like the coaches, Dustin. But like me and Atiba and Lipto, you know, Corrente. Like we're 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 leaders, man. Like those are those are the coaches. But we have a lot. Like 
No, I'm not gonna say like uh, we're like I'm not like we're training like we're we're all we're we're training each other at this point. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like Matt, like Matt, like Matt and Destin, like they're still like they had honchos for sure. But like we're all we're we're definitely improving each other at this point. It's not it's not like uh it's not like Corinthians training me, or it's not like I'm like uh I'm training like uh Johnny Casanova from JK Pop. We're we're improving each other at this point. If that makes sense to you, you know. Well, it, it makes perfect sense, and I want to talk more about that because I mean, you you you've got your young lions under underneath you. You've got uh, you've got Damon Ace. You've got uh, um, Balaam Links. You've got Lilith. Uh, you've got so many great up and coming talent, and you've got people you like. Sure. Uh, you, I I don't know how you guys even tell Heidi Hellitzer what to do because that woman is goddamn. That woman is a badass and. Yeah. But she is, she is, man. But like she, she knows. Like, like if if she tells me something, something that I need to improve, I'm gonna definitely can. Like, I'm gonna listen to her. Just like if I tell her something, she's gonna listen to my input too. See, that's you know? what I want to. That's what I talk about. But I want to talk in a little bit of the higher level when it comes to the trainers training together. What is yeah. that like? Uh, is it are you, is, is it like where you've got all the fundamentals down and you're you're teaching all the the young bloods what they have to do how to get over how to talk on the mic but then when the trainers are training each other is it just like a free for all like you guys are it's like a free write it's it's you just abstractly painting just learning shit just making shit up on the fly no so like it's kind of a bit of all that if we're being like like it's a bit of all that but like honestly um so we all come in like. We know what we have to work on, so that's where we're going to come in, and that's what we're going to focus on for sure. Like, we know what we're lacking, and we know what we work on. And the thing is, like, like seminars, seminars are the biggest deal, because, like, a seminar is, is when you really figure out, like, you, like the, when when a guy like Greg Iron comes in, he's got so much knowledge, you know what I mean? Like, that's when you really, like, you you, you assess yourself, you know what I mean, compared to the next level, you know, any, any seminar that's coming up. And a lot of the stuff that we do now over at Rocky Mountain Pro, it's based on the uh, it's based on uh, Al Snow's academy on, on his curriculum on, on his curriculum for his academy for OVW. Like yeah. oh, even uh, even this topic, like Atiba, Atiba's probably the best wrestler in the state. You know what I mean? Anaya and I and Atiba are probably the best two wrestlers in the state. And when they, they get together in chain, they work on the basics. You know what I mean? They like they don't work on like here's how we do a headlock or here's how we do a, a wrist lock, but they do work on like all right, like. Here, let's all right, like let's let's put this spot together and let's really let's let's get this timing down, let's get this footwork down, let's get this spacing down, let's make this look smooth, let's make this look fast, let's slow this down, let's break we'll we'll videotape it and we'll we'll go back and watch it and we'll break it down, we can improve on this, this was the shits, this was good. Like that's 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 kind of more of a, the formula that it is now, you know? Cause we like we all we all went through a, like fucking years of like, alright, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you do this. But now it's to the point, like, for a lot of us, like, it's like, all right, this is, this is how you put this together. This is why you do this. This is where you should do this. That's what we're working on, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense, and I appreciate you breaking it down like that, because you're, yeah. you're, you're talking about struggling in a, you know, you're, you know, you're in band class and everyone wants to play guitar, uh, but you still got to learn the fundamentals. But when the the lights turn off and the big kids stay a little bit longer and turn the lights back on after no one notices in the parking lot, that it's time to yeah. rumble. 
that it's, it's Dime, time to Dime finish Bag, it Dimebag didn't fucking wake up and shred like that, bro. No. Like he fucking like he put hours and hours and hours and hours and hours in, and that's what we're doing. We're putting these hours. In. Who you uh, who who do you got your eyes on that is up and coming? Damon Ace here in Colorado. Yeah, I'll say it right off the top. Damon Ace, like he's he's fucking uh, everything he does looks pretty good. I'm not gonna like yeah he if he hears this like his head's gonna go up big probably not no, probably not actually he's he's a good dude but uh I wouldn't like I wouldn't sit here and tell him this like if it was like I don't know but um for sure like I think uh, if he if he wants to he can make something big happen. I think Atiba is the best wrestler in the fucking in the state when it comes to a they he can do whatever like he can do anything like he can do anything whether it's chain or whether it's fly whether it's brawl whether it's fucking you you know uh, get get the uh, get the crowd be a gimmick be a character get the crowd into it uh, he's he's fucking great for sure if I had to guess if I had to ride somebody's fucking if I had to be a beast, be a pube, and be on somebody's nuts, that's, that, it'd, be, it'd be him. Man, this is what I've been wanting for a really long time, man. A lot of people get kind of a little wound up because I, I come at people strong. I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm good at what I fucking do, but I come at people strong. And, uh, this tell like it is. Tell like it is. Yeah, really, hell yeah, man. Like, shit, I got some muscles. I might as well fucking flex them. I'm almost as tall That's as you are. Man, man, fucking speak your piece, bro. That's what I'm talking about, man. Gas <laughs> yourself. Get your bro. spot, bro. Get your spot. Come on. Come on, man. Nah, uh, I, 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 I'm, I really like what I do. Uh, I live for it. Uh, being a reporter, being an artist. Uh, I've got a few t-shirts I'm designing for a few of y'all, then you know who you are. Uh, sorry it's been taking so long, but I slave over it. But, uh, Man, I've been. This is this has been great, man. I I cannot tell you, man. I had a shitty fucking day, and I get to so fucking geek out about metal and horror movies with, with one of my homeboys. Yeah, we're cool, man. You were cool to me, yeah, right? Sure. You, you were cool to me right from the beginning, man. And hey, man, I do remember that day in Wild High Comics. I do remember that day you fucking smoking out there, and I'm fucking. I'm like, what's up? I do remember that shit. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> No, like, because that, uh, that like that happens a lot around here. Where like motherfuckers, they they've done like they they wrestle like once a month. You know what I mean? They wrestle once a month like for a few years, and they get this big head. Like I would never like come at you or like Chris Hoff or like you you guys are the fucking homies just as much as the as the boys are. You know what I mean? You guys do a lot for you. You guys do a lot, man. Like you're you're the homie just as much as fucking. Just as much as Cumberbatch is, you know what I mean? Like me and Cumberbatch, I've known him since uh, I don't know. Maybe you're not as much of the homie as he is actually, because I've known him since I was in the fifth grade. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's straight up, man. Like you guys do a lot, man. Like yeah, I, yeah, you're the homie, man. Straight up, this is cool, man. This is cool. I'm like, this is cool. I'm glad we got to do this shit. This is me too, fun. Man. You got anything left to say before we wind down? Uh, let's say happy birthday to my sister. It's her birthday tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. What's her name? Her name is Brittany. She, like, I don't know. She'll probably, like, if I share, when I share this, she'll probably listen to it. So she'll be all happy that I said that. All right. Well, you've got a match coming up for CSW because we're, you're actually going to be the first Halloween episode because I'm going hard. I'm going hard in the fucking paint in October because yeah. uh, I've got a new format coming up uh, for a lot of the, the podcast. And I think it's really going to make a lot of people happy. 
and you're the first uh, to be – we're going to start showing uh, Suicide Puppets. We're playing Suicide Puppets, uh, one of my uh, best up-and-coming metal bands right now. Uh, their music premiering uh, throughout the month and doing Serial Killer of the Week. And But you've got a match coming up for CSW on – was it the 19th? 19th? Sure do. Shit. No, 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 the 17th, the 17th. I, gotta, I had it pulled up, shit, man. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't find this fast, because they're going to listen to it. I'm going to get damn fucking it, what the Fuck, man. You got, damn it, after I fucking put you over like a million bucks. Dude, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> don't be telling nobody. I ain't crying. No. <laughs> I got well, something in my well, eye. You're going to cry in the car. You're going to cry in the car. <laughs> you're going to cry in the car. Shit, it's better than having to fucking take a piss in the fucking car. Y'all need to get a fucking pisser at fucking that, at RMP, at that fucking brewery, man. Because everyone's pissing in the car and hiding around the corners. I had to walk like fucking half a mile to go like in the in like in the like dark with my backpack and a laptop. Like, that are Romero's? Shit, what was that, that place? It was for Milestone, man. Oh, yeah, that was Romero's, bro. They, they got bathrooms inside the bar. There's just a line constantly. The line is always long, too. I think that it's perpetual line. All right, so we got you versus Roland Steel. Yeah, you damn right. Yeah, that is happening on October 17th. God damn, this is going to be a good show, man. Uh, I, I, I look forward to everything. We got uh, Respect Women's Wrestling. Uh, we've got Slave to the Death match coming up this month. We've got... Uh, Shit, you guys have got charge going on. Like, is that going on now, weekly now, or is that just a uh, every two weeks now? Or yeah, so actually, like coming up October second, got, we got the Primos Pro Wrestling presents Shoot Style. I'm gonna be wrestling Big Guns Justin Andrews the next day over in Utah, December third, October third. I'm gonna be up there doing uh, the next TV taping for Devotion Championship Wrestling. You can see them on CW30. They're on Amazon Prime. They're on YouTube. They're on Twitch. You can see them wherever the fuck. October 9th is gonna be Shocktober for Rocky Mountain Pro. I'm gonna be doing that show. October 16th, I'm going to be wrestling for Lucha Libre and Laughs at the Oriental up here in Denver. Uh, October 17th, I'm going to be doing October. Uh, I'm going to be up there wrestling my boy Rolling Steel up there, kicking kicking some ass up in the springs, making my return, doing my thing up there. Last time I was up there, I beat – who did I beat? Do you remember? Who did I beat last time I was up in CSW? Does it ring off the fucking bell? I beat Captain Stevens. I beat the motherfucking champ. Ooh. That's who I beat the last time I was there. Oh, it don't ring a bell no more? I beat the fucking <laughs> champ the last time I was there. So, I come in and I wrestle Roland Steel, huh? I wrestle Roland Steel. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Or should I have a fucking title match? Should I be wrestling the champ? Listen, I'm just... I'm just happy on, we're on bro. Skype right now. I'm just happy we're on Skype right now because I don't want to get choked out accidentally while you fucking That's lose your guy. Saying, bro. Like, all right, I was cool. I was cool until you guys get me worked up about this shit. It's like, all right, you beat the champ. We understand you beat the shit out of the champ. You beat the snot out of him. But now you're coming back and you're wrestling Rolling Steel. Hey, I've seen Rolling Steel. I've seen him in action. The dude's a monster. He's got he's he's got the muscles. He's from the military. He's got the training. He's about it. I ain't no disrespect to Rolling Steel. All I'm saying. Is that when you beat the champ, you deserve a title match, am I right? I agree. I that's agree. the way that this shit works. That's the way that it's worked since the beginning of wrestling, and that's the way that it works now. I don't understand why I get fucked and I don't get my title match. Take it up with Randy, that ugly-ass world order. Shit. Shit, I'm, I'm cool with Randy Jacone, but that fucking piece of shit, Randy Rude, I, I, don't, I don't like being in the same room with him. Shit, man. The whole ugly world order is going to get this work. I'll tell you that much. 
Thanks. But I'm playing. I'm better. Well, Mr. Filter, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. This is my fields. We got to fucking do this again. Like, I ain't even playing, man. Like, we barely scratched the surface, bro, with, like, we barely even scratched the surface, man. We could do, like, I could have I, I I done do this for, like, night, four man. hours. I could do this all night, man. But, man, so it is, again. we got, this is uh, Indie Wrestling Report number 41. I've had some of the best people in the world that are wrestlers that are about to kick some ass. Mr. Filter, this transmission hey, is over. I will, I will be, I will be a fucking big name someday. You will? Someday soon. I'm not joking, bro. I will be a big name in pro wrestling. This fucking podcast will get thousands, if not millions of views within the next few years. I'm not even, like, look at my face. We're on Skype. They can't see it. I'm not joking, bro. This shit's going to happen. I believe you, and I believe in the people I interview, but I got to tell you, man, in a couple couple of months, maybe a year, people are going to know that when Minefields rings you up, you're going to make it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be a trend. Watch, it's gonna be a trend, bro. Man, I I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it's been to have you on the show. Minefields, this is dangerous. This transmission is over.
that the Silver Surfer is somebody who can be utilized as a protagonist of his own book. He is at best. Yeah, I think he is at his best showing up and bringing gravitas to somebody else's story. Hey, I'm a guardian of the galaxy. I'm out here doing something. It's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the surfer is here. He's joined our cause. We stand a way better chance of winning now. And that's a realistic approach because mm-hmm. the guardians are powerful, but they're not, like, all-powerful. And every once in a while they do something crazy and they're, like, all-powerful for a minute. But, like, when you bring the bring the Silver Surfer in, you're, supposed, you're bringing the power cosmic to the table. So it's always interesting. As I've been reading these stories, the Surfer is out in the universe and he's really, really powerful. But occasionally someone can knock him so hard that he thinks he's dying. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you or, you know, are they just more capable because they are more powerful? Basically... He's always going to be asking these questions. What's the limits? What are the limits of my abilities? And the best thing he's got going for him is that everybody has this idea of who he is. Hey, you were Galactus Herald. Maybe you fell out of favor with Galactus. Well, I know something you don't know, and it's that Galactus loves me more than any of his other heralds. But I don't have to tell you that, and I'm going to fight you. And, you know, I have that on my side, whatever that amounts to. And it's like, Sometimes it feels like his confidence is built around his total centered understanding of who he is and what he's capable of. And going out and doing the best that he can, being a force for good in the universe, he gets into a lot of antics. And he gets into a lot of bigger stories than... Uh, he's propelling. He's a cosmic reactionary. He's not a character that's going out and starting shit. But, like, what I appreciate about this book so far, four issues in, is the the developmental process of, hey, the, the Skrulls just figured out in 1987 we can't shapeshift anymore. Something happened to that gene in our in our bodily system. And if the Kree find out about it, this peace between us is all over. They're just going to steamroll us. They're not going to be afraid that we've infiltrated their society and every other society. They're just going to come after us. So it's weird because this this story has a very conflicted focal point. There are multiple storylines going on. And the surfer is always doing something. He's out there trying to figure out who he is and what he's got to do now. And how do I explore my future because I just dealt with this whole weird situation or whatever. He's always, like I say, long suffering. But uh, but cosmic events are always building that he's going to have to get involved with. And in so doing, you get into these crazy pages where it's like, here are the players, you know. Is that I mean, a, those, huh? what year Which is ones? that book? This is all 1987. Okay, gotcha. For some reason, it made me think of all, all red for, for a reason. Oh, yeah. But uh, let me shoot past this stuff. Uh, at the end of, by the end of the, uh, the fourth issue, the surfer has been knocked into a mountain on a planet he never meant to go to, and he's rescued by Mantis of all people. 
And she's like, hey, here's what I know about you. Have I got the story right? Uh, yeah, kind of. Here's what I know about you. Oh, no, you're all wrong. So Mantis, the annoying, the most annoying of the Avengers, uh, because of the way that she insists upon speaking of herself in the third person, details her entire history because that was the crazy thing. We didn't have the Internet in 1987. We didn't have... Um, a giant backlog of information on Wikipedia and 44 other resources that we could find. If you were going to introduce a character into a book that didn't necessarily have a reason to be there except that you wanted to do something with them, mm-hmm. you had to spend three or four pages reiterating everything that they'd ever done to bring the reader up to speed so that you could go on with the next issue. So that's why they're just retelling. It's like every issue of this book retells the last, for like two or three pages, the last several things that happened in the story to bring the reader up to speed. And that's the 80s. That's 80s and 70s and 60s concurrent storyline. At a certain point, you just have to, like, go at it and say, okay, well, we hope that everybody's been reading this. But if you haven't, Smile and Stan says go back and check out Silver Surfer number two or whatever, or Jim Shooter said, you know, whatever. And it's like, so the crazy thing about this the surfer getting knocked into a mountain. The surfer getting rescued by Mantis. Mantis? Who? What? The last time we saw Mantis before this issue was the Celestial Madonna saga, wherein she became the person who was going to create the super being, and she was tied in with the Kotati. So if you remember the Empire storyline with the Y, mm-hmm. Empire, recently, and I think it was last year, it was last the, year. Whole Co- the whole Kotati thing... This is the whole deal. Mantis being involved with the swordsman who was dead but reanimated by freaking tree aliens that are involved with the Kree and blah, blah, blah. It was terrible. Nobody cares. And that's never going to go anywhere. But oddly enough, it has its roots 30 years ago. And that's that, to me, is why there is a fascinating degree of contiguous storytelling that we can always go back to, that start that Marvel writers can always go back to and try to find it. Well, let's just uh, well, let's roll the dice on this one. Does it? Did anybody care then? Honestly, I bought a Celestial Madonna trade paperback, a collection of that storyline. When did I was you like, buy it? Okay. Oh, I God, it was like twelve years ago or something. It was about the time I moved back here, and it was just because like every comic book store I went to had five or six of these things on the rack. They couldn't even, you couldn't move them. And suddenly it's like, okay, well, you're not, you don't want that for $24 anymore. You want that for 19. You want that for 16. You want that for 350. I'm like, okay, whatever. I bought it for 350 and I read it and I was like, okay, I think I got this Mantis thing handled. And then 10 years later, you've forgotten all about it. Cause how relevant is it? And then boom, there's this big dumb Katati storyline. And here it is. In really good artwork in this book, a retelling of the Celestial Madonna saga in, like, three pages. And it's freaking rad. And I don't know why. I like it way better here than any other time I've ever read it. And I think it's just because it's, like, not not overly verbose, Mm -hmm. as I have become. But, uh, you know, my favorite thing about this is that Mantis needs needs a ride. The surfer's got a surfboard, and he's like, 
let's get out of here. We'll get, thank you for saving my life. We'll go figure out what's going on with these Eternals. And they get to a planet, and they realize all of the Eternals who are alive, even if they don't like each other, are having a meeting, and they've got a plot. They've got some kind of ploy, some kind of crazy scheme in mind that they're trying to do that is going to change the fate of the universe somehow, and I haven't even figured it out yet. Sorry, I'm trying to zip through those pages really quick. Like I said, I was reading this on the app. And it's like the crazy thing about this book, too, is that you could be reading and you're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be reading. And then it comes in with another plot line and you're like, oh, yeah, I was reading about that. And then you go into this other thing and it's like, this is jarring. Why did they just do there's a there's a there's a uh, a celestial like what the what is that going to be all about? And they're like, we're going to tell you about this later. And you're like, what? Like, you really just that's the seed you're dropping. Mm -hmm. You gutsy. Jerkwads, I can't believe you pulled that shit. So, you know, yeah. And then the, the one thing I got to say, and it's not necessarily lazy, is that when we get into this business where all of these different uh, celestial or uh, Eternals are being depicted, they're in monochrome. Look at that coloring. Can you guys see that? They're all monochrome. I dig it. And I'm like, Old okay, I, I like this. It's very Watchmen. Yes, it, it totally works. But well, then I realized well, then you're going to talk about secondary gimmick. colors. Look, it's a gimmick because God help us, we can't possibly every page draw all of these super duper colorful outfits out and mm-hmm. expect it to work out. It would have cost way too much. Mm-hmm. So when you think of a Silver Surfer that's flying around the spaceways and he's got these elaborate illustrations of the cosmos and like. What? How can we depict crazy things going on in space? But you have this monochrome character who is legitimately chrome-colored. So it's just black and white, a whole lot of the book. So when he goes to a world, they make it really poppy and beautiful in multiple colors and these crazy biomes and uh, uh, ecological areas. But when we get to this thing and it's like, oh, these guys should be just over-the-top colorful and stuff, they don't do it. And I'm like, uh, I know why you did that, and I appreciate it from a business sense. But on the other end, you know, I'm look, I, I, I'm look, I'm going to read all of these. I'm just going to keep going with it. If I could find these all in single issues, I'd probably pick them up. If I could go, if I could go to a store and they have like, yeah, there's 50 Silver Surfer issues from 1987 through 1990 or whatever, I'd be like, oh, give me that brick. Boom! You guys know I got those Quasar books that way. So anyway, mm-hmm. Quasar. <laughs> what an insane bunch of stuff that is. All right, yeah, that's what that is. I'm, I'm going to keep reading it. It's freaking vintage Silver Surfer. How can you say no? It made me think that of, sounds interesting. It made me think of that song from the Animatrix, the, the Who Am I? Yeah. It seems like it's a constant battle of who he is. I know. Yeah. I totally agree. Who am I? What am I going to do? How am I going to carry on? You know, at a certain point, I think the Silver Surfer would just say, you know what, take the Power Cosmic from me. I've been through a lot. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of good. Let somebody else carry on with the Power Cosmic and let me go home and be mortal and come to my appropriate end, you know, with whomever. You know, it's funny you say that because the ending of Way of X, of what it builds to, is pretty goddamn similar. Oh, really? With whom? Uh, uh, David Holler. Legion. 
David Holler. I used to know that guy. I went to church with him. Well, is he? I dated his daughter. Does he have an infinite, <laughs> does he have an infinite amount of uh, uh, split personalities? Maybe a couple. Maybe, Maybe a couple. couple. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't seen him in decades. Well, give us some way of X, brother. All right, we got some way of X three here. Yeah, we held off on it last week because uh, Tony hadn't gotten it yet, so we're, we're stoked about it. All right. So we, uh, as we left in issue four, uh, Onslaught had revealed himself and murderized everybody. <laughs> murderized like sixty people or seventy? Was it in that one? In that one? Sixty-three dead, mostly yeah. Beta and Gamma priority. But we see, uh, we see Charles Xavier being reborn. Well, that's and... okay. that, that's bound to happen. Yep. Oh, fuck that guy. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but all these others are being reborn as well, and they all have this thought in their head, and they're not, and they're talking about throwing a party, and the party's going to be called the Crucible, or the Crucible. Pardon me, Crucible. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, as Professor X puts on his X helmet. He's, he looks at the white cream and is like, you know, who did this? Who killed these people? Uh, and we go to the next scene, and we see Legion with Zorn and Zorn, and he's meditating. That's and not Magneto in disguise, Zorn. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> I get it. Now, Magneto's on trial. Oh, yeah. He murdered the Scarlet Witch right in front of Josh. Right in front of me. I missed it. Doesn't, doesn't even remember it. Totally didn't remember it. God damn it. I was like, when did she die? I've been reading all these goddamn books. I don't remember her dying. God damn it. <laughs> but nonetheless, we're on Arako, formerly Mars, the summit of Olympus Mons. Ooh. And, you know, Legion's sitting there meditating with his two Zorns around him. And as Professor X comes up, then one of the Zorns is like, we humbly request you keep your hands and your brain where we can see them. <laughs> We've been asked by David to secure while he builds. Professor X responds, builds? Builds what? And they're just like, we don't know. We don't know if he knows. And Professor X is trying to talk to his son telepathically. Zorn's just like, you know, we can't even, we can't, I guarantee he'll listen. He's pretty busy right now trying to build whatever he's trying to build. Mm-hmm. And the whole time David's trying to telepathically talk with Nightcrawler. Talking about Onslaught, you know, the person that killed everybody, murderized them as it were. Moiderize them. Moiderize. And he, you know, talking about how he can feel them and he's getting stronger. And Professor X is trying to openly talk to David as well as talk to him telepathically. But all David is doing is, you know, talking to Nightcrawler while he's meditating. Talking about how he's slithering through mines, leaving a spore. But there's a core somewhere in Anchor. And we can't, we won't beat him until we find it. And as, as, as his father's inches away from his face, yelling at him, talking about, are you even listening to me, David? And then David responds with, are you listening to me, Nightcrawler? And Nightcrawler's over here trying to separate 
lost from Fabian Cortez. Oh, I love Fabian Cortez. Yeah, that's a that's a one we haven't seen for I feel like decades. In all honesty, I know I have a hero clip of him from like 2003. Well, until nice. Krakoan events, but even then, like actually him being a, a, a character has something to do with the story. This is, I think, my favorite part of the of the of why I like Way of X so much is because the the fact that this is a legit book with Nightcrawler taking the helm. It's not one of those uh, pull your heartstrings things like where they're uh, manipulating you. Like you're you're getting to see him develop a religion. Like like this scene here with uh, with Lost and Phoebe Cortez reminded me of Solomon. You know, okay, we're gonna cut the baby in half. If uh, like not that exact situation, but figuring mm-hmm. out figuring out a mental way to get these people to talk and and to 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 get over their petty bullshit to overcome their ego and whatever it is that is causing them from not being brothers in, in the first place that we're watching nightcrawler write the the book of x so like you know that's why it's way of x and uh what he does when he tony you, you do it you, you're gonna be better at saying it than i have it's been like two weeks since i read it <laughs> but i know uh, the whole thing with fabian and loss is that loss blames fabian for ruining her life and screwing up her memories and Fabian's just kind of tired of it. He's like, I don't care. He throws a knife at her, Nightcrawler, you know, teleports in front of the knife and, you know, grabs it before you kill Lost. You know, and she, he's just like, I brought you two people to reconcile to me in the middle, not to kill each other. It's like, you know, they're both just like, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, dying doesn't matter. You know, and he's like, of course it does. Of course it has to. You know, if, if dying doesn't matter, then why would living matter? You know, which kind of seems to be the heart of the book. Let me go back to uh, David meditating while Professor X is trying to talk to him. And he's, you know, Professor X, you know, Professor X, much like Beast in X-Force, has definitely kind of taken on a much harder edge. Like, for all the thought process, Professor X just being this magnificent, magnanimous man that goes out of his way to help people and do only good. He's kind of a shit father. He's a hundred percent of a shit father. This scene here where he's like begging him, like, talk to me, talk to me. You Have you ever, have you ever gotten someone to open up by you clamming up and then and it just makes them escalate and escalate and escalate to where they did, they show their whole hand. Like, I think that's what, I feel like that's what happened here. I could definitely see it. You know, but he's just like, you know, I'm not even going to show you. I can't sugarcoat this, David. You're unstable. You know, do I blame you for that? No, never. But if, you know, it's a fact and we can't ignore it, you know, the damage you've caused, the damage you could cause, you know, protecting Kokoa has become my priority. You have to understand that, you know, respect the sacred land. That's the law. You know, I can't stop the, I can't stop you from coming back to earth, but I'm asking you not to. And he's just like, it would disappoint me david and the whole time he's just completely ignoring his father just going on this rant and he's just you know mentally talking to kurt trying to get nightcrawler to you know get this handled you know he was like i told you to focus on the laws you know i was wrong i'm not great when it comes to people you know i know that sometimes you know i treat people like things and then I get I get surprised when they break you know i i, I screw i mean he basically wholeheartedly admitting he's a screw up the, his one and only friend while his father is just berating him. 
you know, and he's just talking about, you know, Tom Brady's dad. He's like, worst part is that's dad's way, you know, skipping corners and shrugging at the trauma. As long as he gets what he wants, you know, we have to be better than him, you know. And he's just like, please, Kurt, help me be better than my father. And then he's just like, and Nightcrawler was just like, enough. As like, Lost and Fabian Cortez are still fighting. He drags them, grabs them both, teleports them 10 kilometers above Mars. And he's like, you're falling to your deaths, you know. And he's like, lost gravity, lost gravity powers will, I think, allow her to slow her descent. And anyone else that she may choose to help. Except, except I don't know if, you know, I don't know if she's going to help you or not, Fabian. You better figure this out, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, even if you guys die, yeah, you'll be reborn. But man, is this going to hurt. You know, and then, he's, and then he turns around and he's like, you know, yeah, you could die, you could be reborn. But you have to remember, I'm a member of the Quiet Council, you know. And everyone everyone insists that I'm the kind one. But I'm, I'm huh. sick of, you know, I'm sick to my heart of when, you know, what is happening to my people. You know, and I can make it take quite a while for you guys to work your way up that list to be reborn. So you better, you guys better figure this out. They mentioned in the latest Cable uh, that he, uh, you know, Kid Cable's all grown up, that mutants didn't stop death. They just gave it a quick little break here. And, you know, we'll get to that later because he's, he's talking to you as the as the reader. There's all these little, like, instances yeah. here and they're, they're building toward it to where it's, you can't just, they, they're really showcasing, like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just, you know, like in, like, what was it, in Hellions? That were, or, were mm-hmm. they, they're like, yeah, fuck it, you know, we'll just get reincarnated, who gives a shit, you know? No, it, it, it matters. Night, it, it, Nightcrawler is recognizing this is one of the worst things that they could have done, especially what it's doing for their psyche. Like, it's put them on this huge pedestal. They don't go fuck about anything anymore. They, they're the, the, the nerdy kid that, you know, became a, a millionaire uh, designer, has superhero, a supermodel wife, and, you know, all of a sudden he thinks his shit don't stink no more. And we've got this major issue here that it still does, and we have an enemy that we can't see or touch, or smell, but he knows what we're thinking, and then just, like, when they're falling, man, like, just, like, no, Onslaught, just, like, it's, like, because it's hard to do that, because he's the 90s, he's the 90s, like, over-the-top villain that they've been really careful not to use for a really long time. Yeah. I can't remember last time we had anything, to, you know, to do with Onslaught. I think it was Axis, when they brought Onslaught oh, back for a, for a little bit, and that, that story was Garbage. That, that was a terrible. Texas was, was terrible. Yeah. Was this was that a <laughs> summer event? Yeah, I think so. it's like a nineteen or a twenty. Uh, I want to say 2015, 2014, 2016, yeah. 20, Who gives a rip? Yeah, who gives a shit? But yeah, sorry, Tony. I did. I, I, I get off tangents. Apologize. I hear good, man. Yeah, like you said, you know, Onslaught's in the background. Next thing you know, Fabian grabs Lost and just starts over supering her powers to the point where he basically burns her out. You know, and then they're they're all still falling. You know, people can people can see him coming, and we've got this. Uh, one of the moons is coming towards towards Mars, and we we'll see all the people trying to run. And there's one guy being like, "That's all you got." You know, everybody's, you know, Professor X is looking at his son, touching his face, crying. 
And just, Dave was just like, you know, I just touched my dad's mind just for a moment. He'll oppose my resurrection if I die here. Another we took on the get therapy chart there. But it's you know, worse than we thought, you know. The shadow is in him too, which means the onslaught's inside of him. It's bloody resurrection, isn't it? You know, that's where onslaught's getting in. He's getting in during the resurrections. You know, he's like he's eating the off cuffs, you know. Those uh those wee bits of lost life. Because they've talked about how, you know, there's a point between you dying and you being resurrected that like things go back and you don't you end up before you come back before you would have died. Right. And he's eating those little bits of life and this was that's where he's getting stronger. Like why they keep coming back just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And that that's what he's that's what he's surviving off of basically. Oh, he's bold you know, he, <laughs> Yeah. He's eating the parts of us that don't come back. That's what's making him strong. And he leaves parts of himself to fill the gap. So the whole thing is that that's that's how onslaught's you know surviving and thriving and controlling everybody, especially the the people that I keep getting brought back are the good they're the good, they're the elite they're the all elite mutants <laughs> they, get, yep. they get pushed to the to the front of the resurrection line here and the one ninety eight you know and this this moon's coming towards Fabian and Nightcrawler and he's you know you know it, you can't you know what are we gonna do. And Nightcrawler's just like, boost me. He's like, overload me and I can get us out. I, I can make this disappear. And he's like, you can't do that. You know, you're insane. And he's like, you know, it'll go wrong, you know. And they'll say, I broke your dumb law and I killed you. I killed that woman and they'll throw me in the pit. And Fabian just basically has a mental breakdown right now. And he's like, it's not fair. All I wanted was people to think I'm important or to like me. Is that so wrong? And Nightcrawler's just like, Fabian. How can we hope for the love of your people when you so plainly despise yourself? <laughs> yeah. And like he, yeah, he thinks about it and he just grabs Kurt by the face and just starts overloading him. And Kurt just responds, "I'm on fire," you know. And he's like, "What?" And I'm like, I, I see it. I see how we win. I see how we flourish. I see the path, the way. And he's just like, you got to remember this because I'm going to forget it when I die. And he just disappears. And then he turns around and he jumps onto this moon and teleports it away about five times. Boom, bam. Saving everybody but killing himself. And then he's just like, this is what you must tell me when I have walked through death. The unseen spark in all things. As like he basically freezes on top of this planet or this moon that he had to move to save and the next thing we see is a light at the end of a tunnel and Nightcrawler comes out of an egg reborn Professor X is just like welcome back old friend and he's Nightcrawler's just like what happened and he's just like you died you died on purpose and he's like oh and Kurt starts freaking out because that basically be suicide right and Lost comes back, you know, she's also recently been reborn. You know, you died, so it mattered. You saved millions of lives. And then he's just like, I need, I need to find Fabian Cortez. And Professor X is like, now that's that's where things get a little complicated. You'd best follow me. Oh. And we find Fabian just crying 
And turn, you know, Professor X is just like, we think all the effort did something to his brain. You know, apparently when he overloaded Nightcrawler, he just, he fried his brain. He tried to, we tried everything we could think of. You know, euthanize and resurrect are the simplest options. And he's like, thank you, healer. But then he was fired from his post. And he does seem to have been responsible for today's drama. Professor X is just like, I'm afraid I don't think it's fair to keep prioritizing disruptive elements. Not with so many names on the list. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an overused axiom, 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 Kurt. But we can't really save them all. And, you know, the last image is Professor X on a cliff, a la Lion King. And he's got a, a an image of Onslaught over him, like a mental, a psychic projection. And we just see all the children underneath him, all of them having psychic projections of Onslaught. And to be continued in X-Men, the Onslaught revelation. Man, I really, good. I really hope, I really hope this isn't the last issue of Way of X. I hope they continue it. Way of X six in a little bit because the the develop the the development of the the mutant religion is, I I think is, I think it's Hickman and all the writers and artists that are involved in this particular book, really having a good time exploring what religion means and how it's uh, how it's formed and what sort of impact it should have on people and also getting to see a a, a little bit of a window in, that we would never see before like for example. You know that there's books out there that were considered to be part of the New Testament or the Bible just in general, but they were rejected for whatever reason, and now we're getting to see the, the decisions that are being made to make to make the religion. Unfortunately, uh, I really, you know, we've got Fabian Cortez, you know, knowing something that something extremely important that Nightcrawler needs to know, but it's trapped in his head, and either erase him and reboot or hope, <laughs> hope yeah. you know, put him in rice. <laughs> so are we basically seeing the Snyder cut of religion. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's a great way to put it. Except a lot, yeah, it's pretty people leaving these guys alone. It's totally mainstream, but you got to really pay attention to figure out why it even exists in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Good, good point. I think so. Hmm. All right, you gotta- yeah, no, it's a super interesting idea to be like to. In theory, watch somebody put together a religion and see what needs to be in there and what needs to be not in there. And it's almost, it's, you know, kind of a redemption arc for Legion, Mm -hmm. while at the same time, freaking, it's an interesting take on Professor X to see what he has to do to keep this mutant nation together. You know, at the end of the day, is he going to want what Nightcrawler has to offer? You know, at the, at the end of the day, what does that mean if he rejects all the work that Nightcrawler put into this? Mm-hmm. Or if if David dies, you know, how much how much work does that? How far does that put Nightcrawler's task back? And there's just a whole lot of really interesting questions in this book. And plus, plus, why you know, you know the onslaught, you know, character we haven't barely seen in the last thirty years yeah. coming back. Yeah, it's been since the nineties, I think. Since the nineties, yeah. Since twenty years, and yeah, that little bit. And remember, they did when uh, there was that X Force, um, 
that X-Force gig they had to do, that, that covert op mission where they broke into that warehouse that had all, like, random mutant relics. And there was the, they, they showed the shell of uh, Onslaught's shell that had been uh, put back together. It was in that warehouse, all, like, Indiana Jones style. Okay, not having, not having ever read that Onslaught, is he a mix between Magneto, Professor X, and Juggernaut? No, it's just Magneto and it's it's just Magneto and Xavier. Uh, mm-hmm. All of their all of their stray thoughts. It's it's. I, I want to say it's a lot of the, the it, another yin and yang of them combined into one. Like where all the all the shit that Chuck you know holds back because he's got a dream and you know has mm-hmm. to do the right thing. All, all the anger that he never releases that Magneto all 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 the time releases. You know, being you know Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to save mutants, destroy them, destroy humans, you know. Uh, it, it's, it's from what I remember and what I've read, it's it's a mixture of that. And it's an amorphous being that has to find some sort of a shell to use. Because if you, do, if you remember, that's how they had to destroy him before Heroes Reborn, was he made his final evolution and, like, out of the shell, but, you know, all the heroes had to, like, give him a body, pretty much, remember? And then X Men hit him as hard hit hit the you know the FF Captain America. I remember they all they all went into that into the um, into the psychic final evolution of Onslaught. You know, with the poor Franklin Richards in the middle, like ha- being a little bit of a linchpin for it. So it's it, it's a lot to take in for Onslaught, and I'm really looking forward to what Hickman is going to do with it because. Uh, at first, you know, I would be like, nah, fuck Onslaught. Like, you know, the, I'm, I don't remember a lot that I really liked uh, uh, about him in the first place, but it'd be like back in the day when, like, uh, was it like eight, nine years ago when we were all pissed that Dan Slott was going to kill Spidey and you just got to relax. The guy's, guy's got a handle on stuff. You know, let's, let's give him a chance. And have some fun. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Straczynski killed Spidey too. Yeah, he did. Straczynski's, yeah, I like the guy. I just... Not a lot stands out for me with him. Didn't he do, like, some Hellblazer for a while? I don't know about that. You're the one with every Hellblazer issue. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get there. I'll get there. It'll be on the, it'll, <laughs> it'll be on the hunt. Um, anything left with the way of X-Brother? No, I mean, I mean, that's it for most part, yeah. Freaking, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with it. Like, this is one of those, this is one of those few books where you're, like, you're really kind of, like, you're not sure where they're going to take it next. Before we move on to anything else, the, the one thing, the last book I have other than uh, King the Conqueror that Colin will let you take reign on that one, uh, is Superman 78. Uh, not the not the biggest fan of the Superman movies from back in the like, late 70s and all the, like, all the way to like uh, 80s, like late 80s, that sort of thing. Especially when they like brought Richard Pryor in and it was pretty ridiculous. But it's on the same vein, it's on the same vein of Batman 89 where they're continuing a story that they, we, is well documented that, you know, that they wanted to do. Like with Batman 89, you know, they're going to develop the Two-Face story with um, Billy Dee Williams and they, they, they took a lot of little Easter eggs that you had to be paying attention to about the lore of uh, what Batman should have been had Tim Burton been let to do what he wanted to do. Like, for example, uh, from what I understand, the the costume that Robin is wearing at the end of Batman '89 is actually a what the costume of Marlon Wayne's costume was going to be when he picked up Robin, and like, all, all those little things. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Obviously, they're making it look. You know, starts out with a really nice, heartfelt uh, uh, devotion here to uh, Richard Donner, and it 
picks up where they would want to pick off from a Donner story in the first place after, uh, well, basically middle of two. And it was middle of mm-hmm. two, and um, we've got Brainiac on his way. And it's a lot of the little things about we've seen in popular culture dissecting what Superman is. And, you know, like at the end of, like, Kill Bill, he's talking about how, you know, Clark Kent is actually the costume and uh, the real person is Superman. But we kept bringing it coming. I'm, yeah. I don't know that much about, about like, the Donnerverse, that sort of thing. But it was a really great read, and I really hope everyone takes a chance to ch- uh, check it out. Uh, oh, what if – if Marvel's doing what if right now, which I hate um, – <laughs> Um, this is a what if Richard Donner had been allowed to continue on with what the story is. What if Tim Burton was still doing Batman or got to do, got to do part three instead of the monstrosities that we got after the fact. But yeah, hit us with uh, hit us with the Fantastic Four, and we'll wrap up with uh, Kane because that was uh, that was all right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Fantastic Four life story. Number three, the 80s. Okay, so I gotta say, the trend to doing these life stories mm-hmm. through the decades are fascinating. And the Spider Man ones were balls to the wall awesome, every single issue. And uh, they were phenomenal additionally because. For a legendary artist like Mark Bagley, who has had so many different massive storylines under his belt, I really saw his particular artistry in that um, mature in a way that I just couldn't even believe was going to do it. But this is not that. This is a completely different cast of... Uh, writers, artists, etc. This is Mark Russell writing with uh, artist uh, Sean uh, Isaacse. Um, I mean, we're starting out... Uh, okay, this is the 80s. So you've been following us talking about this. It's through the decades. Basically, when Reed Richards took the Fantastic Four into space in the first issue, nearly two issues ago... He came into a mental consciousness, some kind of telepathic consciousness with Galactus, and it has haunted him. It is his entire sole purpose, like foregoing the best parts of being a parent, the best parts of being a husband, the best parts of being a friend, the best parts of being a scientist. It is his obsession. It is his entire life. We have got to find a way to save the world from Galactus. And literally, absolutely no one really truly believes or cares enough about this. Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm, Sue Storm, no one else perceived this thing. And you got to imagine if your best friend in the world, or if your husband or your wife or your father or your child believed absolutely that something that you could not believe was going to come to earth and destroy it or wreck it or consume it or whatever. And that's all they ever talked about. That's all their entire life is devoted to. A lot of us, we've got issues where we obsess over one thing. This person did me dirt and I'm going to get him. Correct. Or 
you know, I lost that court case or I got sued or I lost that business. People become disenfranchised. This is Reed Richards, the smartest man in the world, but he is coming off like someone who cannot find a way to capitalize on his good qualities because this is all he cared about. He's teamed up in this issue with Tony Stark, taking it to the White House and saying, we can create strategic defense initiative, SDI, the Star Wars program, and we can defend the Earth. And they're all like, yeah, well, why aren't we focusing this thing on the Soviet Union, the Russians? They're the problem. <laughs> so while this story is, I hope, and it would be fantastic if this was tied to the Spider-Man story that we got last year. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think this is its own entire continuity. Um, so Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, Star Wars, was a program of missile defense shields that was developed during the Reagan administration. And in 1980 and 1983, Ronald Reagan came on the air and said, we're going to develop this ability to stop Soviet missiles from hitting the United States before they ever get here. And the Soviets freaked the fuck out because they were like, uh, if these people can land on the moon, they can definitely do this. And so in the story, Reed Richards is the guy trying to design this. But Ronald Reagan is saying, yeah, well, you've never had any conclusive proof that there's any kind of Galactus out there. And you've been railing on this for 20 freaking years, and we've seen no evidence of it. So no one wants to pay for it. At the same time, Tony Stark is like, let me go in there and talk to them. I'm part of the military-industrial complex. I can make this happen. But Reed is too pissed about the whole thing. He's like, I'm going to go off and do the real work. You can go back there and talk to the politicians. The other element of this story is that Franklin Richards is the only child of Reed and Sue before they split up. Uh, Sue is now Namor, the Submariner. Of course she is. Because he can see her for what she is. You know, she's a brilliant, amazing human woman that he is absolutely enamored of, and it's always been that way. And uh, on the other hand, Johnny Storm is... Uh, Johnny Storm is the narrator of this issue. He's seeing the world for what it is and what it could it could have been and missing what it used to be when they were the Fantastic Four and they just aren't anymore. They're not four. And they're not and they are, you know, they're fantastic but they're not four. Franklin is considerably grown up. He's over 10 years old now, and he is experiencing his mutant problems. Yeah, I was about to ask, is he still a mutant? Because he's not yeah. allowed on Krakoa anymore. Or, oh, or, okay. or, or ever was. It turns out he, he's ne- he never was a mutant in the first place. He's got a scene in here where he's saying, my psionic powers, they just take over sometimes. They amplify everything happening in the brains of those around me. It overwhelms them and me. So he was apparently kind of up at the Xavier School to get this under control. But it's impossible. It's it's not something anybody can control. So Johnny is showing up and, like, getting him out of of trouble and bringing him home and all this stuff. And 
burning up the reports that need to go to go to read because he's being the good uncle or the, the cool uncle or whatever. Um, and of course, and then you've got Reed Richards going on uh, late night with da- with David Letterman or whatever, and um, this other weird character who's like. You can't do all of this strategic defense initiative without the computer software and hardware to make it work. So what we find out throughout the course of this story is that this other character turns out to be the Mad Thinker, one of the FF's, like, major character villains. So um, the whole, like I say, the whole haunting of the fact that Galactus is coming is something that a lot of people are taking seriously, like Dr. Doom and like the mad thinker. And they're like, well, we have a different plan. Uh, you know, we can remake the world. Galactus is coming. We know it's got to be real because we got to take Reed Richards seriously. He's no idiot, but the rest of the world is starting to think he's crazy. And we're going to take him seriously. And what we're going to do is we're going to put our money into a fortification high up, in the mountains that we will be able to survive within and we'll let the rest of the world get destroyed. And on the other side of that, they'll have us to lead them, control them and save them. And they'll have to come to us because otherwise there won't be any infrastructure left. And so that's their diabolical plot simultaneously. This is all part of the deal is that he gets Dr. Doom out of jail from his attack on the UN. But uh, so this whole business gets going and then, you know, you get closer and closer to it. The, the world gets down to a nuclear exchange because of the software created by the mad thinker. They're like, it's kind of like watching uh, X-Men first, first contact X-Men first, uh, first class. class. We're going to start a nuclear war to speed up the situation so we can get past it, and we'll be the ones who we save the Earth by making it a less desirable place for Galactus to show up. So, and, and of course, in, like, X-Men First Class, you know, they're like, we'll start a third world war, and then they'll have to come to us because we're the mutant leaders that we'll be in charge, and finally it'll be mutantdom that runs this planet. Well, they start the Third World War. The Soviets and the American missiles go up. The FF and a bunch of other guys like Thor and whomever, Iron Man in his Silver Centurion costume. You know, uh, we see Spidey at the beginning of this book, and then it's a couple of years later, and he's wearing the symbiote. That's kind of awesome. We've got missile after missile after missile coming in, and the FF are going up there, and they're fighting it, and they're beating it, and the Avengers are going up there, and they're knocking missiles down, or they're diverting them, or they're taking care of them. And then finally, one of the crazy things that we find out about Johnny Storm is it's not only that he can become the flame, but he can take the flame into himself. We have one missile coming into New York, and it detonates over the New York city and he takes it within himself and it kills him it was just too much and so we have we had the fantastic four back together for a moment all of them going around doing it like sue was like i can't be with namor anymore because he's like let's let's go to atlantis we'll get away from this we know this is happening and she's like what about my son and he's like ah yeah exactly and she's like (laughs) 
invisible, and she's like, I'm going to go fight this. So she goes out there and helps with her force fields, and she goes out there and does what she can with Ben Grimm and everybody. But Johnny is extinguished, and he is killed. And so the Mad Thinker is put in a Latvian prison in perpetuity, and Johnny, or I'm sorry, and uh, Reed and Sue and Ben and Franklin are all that's left of the Fantastic Four by the end of this story, by the end of the 90s, whatever year that happened to end up happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge story. It's a big deal. Like, when you look at the um, nuclear war that happened in the Spider-Man books, the Spider-Man life story, I can almost see this all coming together in a certain way to where these two stories would happen contiguously. And I'm, I'm willing to go back and reread the Spider-Man stories to see if these pair up properly, but I don't feel like they legitimately do. Uh, and that's, that would be, that would be, it would be awesome and too bad if they don't, but it would also be a lot because when you're going in and you're like making such a big deal about this guy's story and that guy's story, it's a lot for anybody to pay attention to and not all be under the same umbrella of the creative team. But uh, I like mad, insane props for it. But I'm excited for the next issue because it's got the cover has the uh, Silver Surfer on it and Galactus in the background. So. Hopefully, at least Silver Surfer will show up in this next issue, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys get to read this? You guys looking at this? No, we didn't. I, no, uh, no. I, I'm sorry, man, but every time you talk about uh, it, I'm like, I should have done it. I feel so nah, not at all. Let me jump into the whole Kang thing. Yeah, who, you're the one that needs to do that one because I started. I yeah, I got like I had to read it. The, I read it the first time I read it, I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm reading. And the second time I read it, I, I was able to like, really get into it. And I, I really like, it's full of meat and potatoes, especially when you realize exactly what's going on. Well, okay. And it, it, I, I'm simultaneously super excited about there being any good Kang material right now, especially having finally caught up. Like, I just watched Scarlet Witch and uh, or WandaVision. I just finished WandaVision. I just finished... Loki, loved Loki. I'm watching What If and Falcon and Winter Soldier finally. Um, but Loki. Uh, I'm, all right, you know, uh, spoilers. Here we go. Loki. Uh, the deal is, of course, Kang. If you're going to be in a time thing, it's Kang. Correct. And a couple of years ago, you and I were talking, Joshua and I were talking, like, uh, you know, hey, best case scenario. Kang is the villain of the next Avengers movie and they're bopping around in time and they're going back and they're like, we're revisiting all of these things like back to the future too. And well, that's kind of what they did without Kang at all. But now they're like, Kang is the next big villain in phase four. Right. Correct. And I'm like, all right, well, for one thing, I'm kind of disappointed that they've got a character playing Kang. Who's just kind of like, Oh, I'm goofy and weird, blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, Kang is something we should absolutely take seriously. This is like one of the most important villains that you could possibly have, but you'd never know that he did anything because he can. he's manipulating time. So, I mean, page one, 
Kang is sitting there on his throne, imagining all of these different things that happened in his time period and lamenting whatever. Next page, teen young, like 14, 15 year old Kang, Nathaniel Richards, is sitting there bemoaning his life in the 31st century where there is nothing going on and nothing to do and nothing to be bigger about. Like, imagine a whole world where everybody's just content to go along and do their menial little things, but then you've got one guy who's like, this is I'm, this is just not enough for me. I should be doing bigger, more maniacal things, just crazy town shit. I should be conquering, winning. I should be beyond. And he's just clearly an intellectual of the problem. But, uh, you know, he... Break, he's like, I'm going to go fuss with Latveria, Dr. Doom's castle. Like, there's got to be stuff there that can make it, make me, that can make anybody this astonishing, as astonishing as is in my head. But Kang arrives and rescues this kid because there are um, traps, there's booby traps in there and stuff like that. So Kang arrives and is like, hey, look, basically you're me. And Doom has a lot to do with who we are, and I'm also pre-existing in the ancient past and in the ancient, or in the like far, far, far future. I don't know what to call it. It's not ancient necessarily. So he reveals himself as Kang the Conqueror. You are going to become me, and I'm going to train you. And this isn't uh, this crazy business where it's like I'm going to take you to the future and turn you into something amazing really quick. He's like, no, you have to have the qualitative experience you have to go to the jungle with me you have to subsist on nothing you have to get the enzymes in your body that make you not susceptible to the problems you know you have to you have to get the gut flora you've got to get down to the cellular like you can't be destroyed because your future is so important and so they go back to one year before the meteor is going to crash in and kill the dinosaurs. So they're coexisting with the dinosaurs. And some of them, they're like, okay, I yeah, know we're going to like use this dinosaur. We're going to ignore that dinosaur. We're going to evade this dinosaur. And, uh, yeah, there are bacterias and viruses and stuff, and you're going to get exposed to that. It's going to make you unstoppable over time but you have one year to make it work before we get destroyed here and i'm like well that's a killer countdown right there but all the while kang is always telling him like you know hey yeah you survived this and you got stronger and he's like well you know this is something this is my failing this is someplace where i failed i was defeated by these guys i put myself in front of these guys and i failed i was defeated but I didn't let that stop me. I kept going because I know time. And I'm like, okay, well, now I can go back and I can change that and I can fix it. Like, think about how freaking crazy that is. You can fight somebody. You can fight somebody a dozen times. Tony could be in the ring. You could fight somebody a dozen times. And you could win or you can lose. But imagine being like, no, I can't lose because... Because we live in a linear time mm-hmm. where we're just like, okay, next time I know I'm going to do this. Or next time I know I'm going to have three things to do to defeat this guy. But, like, 
Kang doesn't do that. He's just like, okay, I know how I lost, so I can fix it up. Oh, wait, I still lost. Fix it up. Oh, I won. It's just like, just this constant um, system of combat success. Well, Nathaniel is experiencing this guy telling him, here's how I failed, here's how I failed, here's how I failed, and it's starting to wear on him after so much time. Then he encounters a girl in the jungle who he instantly is like, is, does he fall in love with, or is he just fascinated? And Kang is like, no, you can't have any of that. You can't. Do not fall in love. It was the one thing you told him not to do. Do exactly. not fall in love. It will destroy you. But you're, you're glancing over a couple of like really important things here. I, I get what you're doing, but... Uh, we're, we're, hit me. Tell me about we're, it. We're, we're seeing all of Kang's failures, like... I, I, he is constantly. I feel like this kid is probably one in a million. He's brought to this time or other times to try to train him, showing him his mm-hmm. failures. So when eventually he turns on himself and you know perpetuates the time the timeline of what's going on, he'll know how how to win every single time the FF beats him or make sure that he saves it, it either he never never falls in love or figures out a way to you know save his one true love and. You know, there's no way, like, they make him to a drunk. Like, at first I was like, okay, like... Oh, that's right. That was one thing yeah. I was like, is he is he getting drunk in the next page? Like, oh, yeah, he's definitely, like, drinking himself to sleep every goddamn night. And then eventually the kid, you know, gets pissed off when, you know, Kang kills all of that, that tribe that he'd fallen in love mm-hmm. with. And, uh, you know, takes the suit and, you know, takes off and ends up in the uh, Ramatet uh, era. Uh, the, there's no way Kang would have not anticipated, you know, th- th- that was all set up for him to do that. Like, I'm surprised he didn't kill him in his sleep. Like, he he definitely put something in his alcohol to make him sleep longer and, you know, be able to do what he was going to do. But he doesn't kill him in his sleep. He takes the suit, leaves him there for the the asteroid to show up, which does show up, which we don't know if uh, adult drunk passed out Kang is uh, alive and well or, you know, su- you know survived that or... Was anticipating the kid doing that, and maybe we're getting a glimpse into a, a king where he's able to fix things or, or, or make the things that he's so regretful for right. Um, but in order to do that, there's going to be a lot of time changes and what's going on with uh, Marvel in the first place. Well, best case scenario, this is all pertaining to Iron Lad. Uh, do you remember Iron Lad from Young Avengers in the? Mm-hmm. I do early no. 2000s. No. No? No, I'm, uh, I'm not Iron afraid of anything the... ending in lad or lass. Okay, go back. Okay, what, you, what you've gotten about 2007, 2008 was Young Avengers. And um, you just have this squad of kid, of teen superheroes showing up, and they're all themed off of... Mar of like the Avengers, so you had Cassie, uh, what's it, who was Hawkeye, or I'm sorry, Cassie, what's it, Cassie was Stature, Stature, and you've got um, uh, Kate Bishop with Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, you've got Hulkling, you've got Wiccan, you've got Iron Lad, and some other characters, and or Patriot, you had Patriot, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, who are these kids really? And every one of them had a crazy secret origin that when you finally come come down to it it's like okay so hulkling's not the hulk he's a scroll he can look like whatever he wants to look like and wiccan wiccan is 
uh, he's Asgardian, and he can cast spells. So, but he is Doctor Strange in the future. And then, um, uh, you know, where does Cassie come from? Okay, Scott Lang's daughter, and whatever. So this all blends together. Well, Iron Lad it turned out. You kept thinking, oh, well, this guy's got to be related somehow to Tony Stark. No, it was Kang. Excellent. He was like, I am Teen Kang. And that was this secret I did not want to reveal to everybody. Simultaneously, Patriot was the grandson of Isaiah. Isaiah Washington. Yeah, from Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, let alone, you know, uh, Truth was the book that came out in the early 2000s. And it was like, so, the, I, you know, this is the crazy thing. is like whether or not that legit, whether or not that Kang that we know uh, from the begin, from this book got killed by the asteroid, let alone anything else, the whole thing is engraved with mystery. And so if you think Kang is going to get let himself get killed by an asteroid and the only way you can time travel is because of his costume... You know, he's got a beeper shoved up his ass or, like, something disguised as a lighter or a bottle opener or whatever. You know, the guy can time travel. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, it's just not the, It's just nothing to worry about. You know, he can escape any of that stuff. So, things being what they are, you know, I mean, this book, this is good and it looks good. This is phenomenal illustrations, phenomenal coloring beautiful everything this is a beautiful book and like this is classic original kang kang that needs development kang that needs exploration kang that needs elaboration like i don't want the full i don't want the jokasada origin of kang i want kang to be mysterious kang to be you never know what Kang is the real Kang. Is there a Kang Prime? Is there a Kang 616? Is there a J.J. Abrams versus Kang? What the, you know, whatever. I just want Kang to be of mysterious origin. At least in as much I as... I like Dimension X Kang myself. Dimension X, sure, with uh, Krang. Dimension, yeah, Krang and Kang running around. Um, I just, you know... Don't please don't over explain it. Just let it be something. And if this is a Kang, I'm fine with that. If it's the Kang, fine. Like Kang, there could be so many different Kangs. It's a multiverse. Everything's going towards the multiverse. It's just too bad that the MCU dictates so much of what's going on to such a degree that Ultimately, they're going to be like, no, Kang has to look like the guy that acts in the in the TV series. Mm-hmm. Or Kang could be everybody, just like there could be any number of Lokis. There's a freaking alligator. You know, whatever. I'm just saying the possibilities are endless if you keep them endless instead of confining them built around, hey, this is what this has got to look like, you know. But... Even then, Tom Hiddleston is what Loki's going to look like for however long. Quite a long time. And that's where Kang comes Very from. Much. So, yeah. Anyway, that's what I got on that. I'm going to keep reading it. It's great. It, I thought it was really good, too. The first time I thought he was just being a little bitch. But it took me a little bit to, <laughs> to really warm into it. But that's that's all I got for this week, man. Guys, it's... Uh, you guys got anything left? We, we already uh, pushed New Era. 
you know, that kick-ass fed in Denver, Colorado. I love those guys. Those guys are rad. I can't wait to come up there and visit. Yeah, you should You should actually you should. do that. You haven't been here. I already turned down an eight-month job <laughs> uh, and uh, some other stuff. But um, I don't have the flyer on me. You remember me sending you those pictures? Oh, yeah, wait, you know what? He sends, me a, he sends me a flyer of some local girls that are going to be there and have the Front and center is fucking Thunder Rosa. I'm like, motherfucker, you better not miss this shit. <laughs> oh, I've seen that flyer actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that. I know the flyer too. It's like five girls and then little Thunder Rosa. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll back to it here, past my pictures of all this other stuff. Yeah, Mission Pro Wrestling. I'm gonna go check that out. That is on. Uh, that's gonna be in Tulsa. Da, 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 da. Where's the freaking date? Why is the date so hard to find on your freaking flyer? September twelfth, four p.m. bell time. Oh Jesus! What kind of bell show. time is that? No, I'm gonna go hang out, spend some money, eat some popcorn, buy some shirts, support your local. Buy some investor. shirts. Yeah, hmm. that'll be fun. That'll be fun. That's it, guys. Let's let's. Uh, I say we uh, cowabunga. Cowabunga. Yeah. Well, guys, we appreciate you. Email us, hit us up. We love doing this for you. You keep downloading it, we'll keep doing it. This transition is over, and this is dangerous. Good.